Spice World, Between Two Dunes, an inebriated exploration of Willis E. McNelly's Dune Encyclopedia. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. Normally, each chapter we open up a new bottle of wine and have a bit of a buzz book club, but Derek, what's, what's going on? It's a special episode. <gasps> That's, we got, we're between two dunes, we're aren't we? We're between two dunes. Favorite title. I'm so glad we found a reason to use it. I shoehorned it in, but we're using it. You got it. us there. You got us there. Well, what, what the hell are we doing then? Well, this is a special thing that we do for our patrons, but we also declared that we were going to do two in between our uh, book one, book two, book three of Dune. Mm-hmm. And so our first one was the Matt Holtzman. Oh, my. That, I... Ibrahim von Holtzman. Yeah, no, he's always the Mad Holtzman. The Mad Holtzman <laughs> flying through the stars. Yeah. I mean, where we left him, he could still be out there. That's true. We touched on a few alternate histories there. And now when we promise we're going to do Butlerian Jihad, because honestly, I really don't know that much about it. Ooh, oh, I just know that's... there's some machines and we killed things. <laughs> the machines? We didn't let them back. <laughs> nope, not quite. But, you know. It'll be a fun little treat for everyone. And I mean, Mike, I went digging through the encyclopedia for the jihad. We're not just doing the jihad. Uh-oh. I ended up with three articles we're actually going to be pulling through that are all interwoven and like I couldn't separate them. Oh. And approach it any logically. I have to refer to them. So we're going to do this. And you know what? Uh, it's actually even dovetails into another story I've teased, but we'll get to that at the very ending for everybody. All right. All right. Well, uh, first things first, we got two things to talk about. One. Our Spice Worlders, our patrons. We got a new patron. We're growing? Yeah, we're growing. Little Sea Edge is getting bigger. We're going to need a second worm. <laughs> we're going to need a second worm. <laughs> um, so coming in at a Sappho Juice enthusiast, Josh Armenta. It's <gasps> oh, Piter's favorite level. It's Piter's favorite level. He said, that's right, Josh. Yep. Welcome. Welcome, Josh. So yep. glad you're a Spice Worlder. Let's get a little, little cheers for you here. A little cheers for you. And we'll tell you what we're drinking. Oh, that you can't pick that up on the mic. No, no, you can't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... We're not going to do the book. We're not going to do anything normal, Mike. We're not even drinking wine, really, today. Yeah, we, that's wine, dude. It's it's a it's a step different. Yeah, it's a, it's a special wine, but it's, it's still like, wine. Like the Moscato I picked up. We got bubbles in here. We didn't. But, <laughs> that was we, a weird We day. got some brute. So wait, but, uh, what's the name of this one? Uh, so this actually we've done before, the uh, Marquis de Caceres. Oh. Uh, we, I think we've done that red and the white, actually, at this oh, point. Oh, you might be right. Uh, so we got the brute uh, for that one. I mainly just the bottle is uh, it's classy. It's it all like classy. black and gold. It's very like Carino to me. Like Ooh. this would be in the Imperial House, some Sadakar uh, champagne, if you will. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, this is, yeah, perfect to bust out for a new uh, Patreon member. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's brute. It's great. It's, you know, very dry. It's got that little bubbly in the front, sort of washes over your palate. And mm-hmm. it leaves me, I'm always ready to go back for another sip. Again, thank you, Josh. Join us and all of our Spice Worlders. Can't do this stuff without you guys. That's true. That is so good. So, do you have any other uh, any other housekeeping we go to attend to? Any other admin? No, I think we're good. Well, then, Mike, why don't you take it away? Uh, Wait, what? <laughs> Excuse me? Before we dive in, you know, like, the pieces that are involved in the Butlerian Jihad, essentially. The rough uh, outline of, like, what we've been told in Dune, right? Okay, yeah. So, we know there is thinking machines have gone too far. They've sort of taken over things. Mm-hmm. The Butlerian Jihad is more or less saying, like, hey... We're not going to let that fly. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Now, in my mind, I imagine Gerard Butler leading the charge. Yeah, that is the, the but- butler. Yeah, yep. there's a butler and butler and Jihad. You're dead I, on? All I can think of is 300, to be honest. Okay, spin me your now, story, Mike. <laughs> now I associate this with like uh, the Persian army coming, uh, 
coming down on all those humans. You oh, got the those immortals. Are, those are our machines? Yeah, yeah. Oh, immortals. The immortals, yeah. yeah. Yep. So Gerard Butler is leading the charge with his 300 dudes, I guess. Well, this is where your story kind of uh, misaligns. <laughs> are you sure? Somehow his 300 wipes out the thinking machine. <laughs> yeah. 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 And rages through the galaxy. <laughs> Ah, uh, that that's pretty dead on. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you you know where we're gonna leave off, roughly. They win. Yeah, we we, we know they win. I, All right. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. What you, uh, how do you think the Butler and Todd? What do you think the starting incident was? What was the spark that caught that fire? Hmm. In in your like rundown, we'll see how closely you match up. I guess that would uh, be the most important. Enslaved thing. by them? They can be. This is, this is your I mean, You make it up, Mike. Okay, I like I'll, to imagine. I'll tell you where we're going to go, and then we're even going to dip into what Brian Herbert I thought. think it's reverse planet of the apes. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm thinking, which I guess is just Terminator, really. <laughs> <laughs> or if you keep going, I think that is just planet of the apes. It's just, um. just planet of the apes. Um, so, yeah, no, I think uh, they're... Uh, Wait, hold on. So, oh. you, you think humanity... <laughs> fell and robots took over well no i think it was a gradual process i think uh setting up more and more automated uh machines made life easy for humans until eventually like before we knew it decade after decade like the wally effect yeah the uh, the wally effect (laughs) well like more of our like freedoms like were taken from us without us really realizing it Mm -hmm. um to the point where like wait a second why, where'd this oh. cage come from? <laughs> Wait, there's no doors. <laughs> okay. And then it was like, it was too late. Like, at that yeah, point. it was too late. It's like, you know, we got to change this. Okay. Okay. Although I'm trying to think of the Matt Holtzman episode because Matt Holtzman came back and was just like, what's going on, guys? And like, things were crazy. And it's like, oh, I'm going to peace out for a while. You're, that's right. He came back during the machine, like what the rise of the machine. Right, so to speak, right, right. Right. Because we had that prison planet that was sort of run by mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so that one actually, uh, oh, that was more information than I thought you knew. Because ah. uh, that is definitely the encyclopedia world that we build up. We're going we're gonna to learn about different kinds. Because basically, Frank, he never wrote this out. He never really decided what the Butlerian Jihad fully was. That, uh, really? Because well, it's mentioned so many times. It's mentioned. Uh, he knew like the concept of it, but I mean, like the day in and out of like uh, what each character did to like make this event and stuff. Go right, on, right, right. Which is what the encyclopedia does get the chance to expand upon. With he had to have read it and given his sort of slight approval. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why it's going to be great for us to go through. But it's a lot different than maybe what you would expect okay and a lot different than what i expected going in all right so let, let's start mike uh we gotta look broad big picture first let's okay. let's look at this like we're historians way in the future we're digging through the rackus horde okay and we found some documents on the butlerian jihad okay so the first thing we're gonna look at this is it's being uh the historians themselves sort of take this big picture view of being like wait a second is an event um a matter of like do great events shape the people or do great people shape the events? And this is like, this is a classic historical argument, right? You can have going all the way back from like Caesar. To that, Charlemagne. Sounds, that sounds like a chicken or the egg kind of question, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Nature versus nurture. How can you ever separate the two? Right. Because right, right. the two need each other to both be important. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, what I love though, is in this universe, they literally go the impact on history of Moadib and the God Emperor renders that question moot. 
Um, what? We know. It's the person. It's the fucking man. <laughs> Moadib was outside of his time, literally. Oh. Uh, so I like that Like they have an answer. You don't think it was but, a great event or anything like no, that? No, hold on. It keeps okay. going, though. Uh, before these uh, tremendous personalities, the question is legitimately raised. So I'm just like, before them, it's a good question to have. No, it's cool, Mike. We can have this conversation. <laughs> It just doesn't apply to Paul because nothing fucking does. <laughs> um, so I just, I, we don't got sleep. We don't got history rules. No, we really don't. We got a library dedicated to him, apparently. We got a really big, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's Irulan's. Um, <laughs> come on now. I just used it in my free time. <laughs> so the uh, basically this historian is going to look back and be like, well, let's, uh, we face a question specifically when we consider events as pivotal as those that occurred between 200 and 108 before Gale. That is going to be our 100-year jihad, this crusade against the machines. Uh, so then they kind of continue on of, like I said, being like, was there a sea change in the human ocean produced by Jaheen Butler? Oh, oh. The human ocean? Hold up. I, <laughs> this name, I'm going to slip up, I think, like 30 times through this. I made up a name for this woman uh, when I first read the book. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been calling her Jaheen Butler. Jaheen? Yeah, it makes no sense. Uh, the, there's not, some of the letters aren't even in that word. But it's a <laughs> French um, for, um, it's the feminine of John. So it becomes like Jeanne d'Arc. Yeah, exactly. So it's basically Joan in English. Uh, but so Frank threw an H in there. So his is J E H A N N E. Oh, so it's like Jean, where I think it's just be. It's probably the like Jean. Oh, or maybe he just did like completely merge John with it. Uh, I mean, I think he saw the need for space and was like, I need an H in here. That's <laughs> not a space name quite yet. Quite yet. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Beck, Becca with a K. Becca with a K. Jean with an H. <laughs> Um, space name space name <laughs> he's got like a little outline for how to make a space <laughs> name it's a few little things um but yeah so i like they're keeping up with using water right as a mm -hmm. metaphor so yeah. it talks about yeah sea change in the human ocean produced jean butler or did this remarkable and luminescent will a woman by her will shift the currents of humanity Ooh. yeah so we're, we're relating people to water now we're everything Everything's Everything relates water. to water. I think someone as so, important as this. Well, no, actually, we're talking. She is affecting humans are the ocean. She would be shifting the currents herself. Oh, so, yeah, she's, right. she's super water above water. Super water. Um, so this actually continues on, and this uh, we take in this great event or great per, uh, people kind of idea, and we have two names for this event, and which name you choose kind of implies what side of the argument you're on. You can either oh. call it the Butlerian Jihad, in which case you are putting Butler as the driving force in it, or you can call it the Great Revolt, where we ally ourselves with the thought that leaders are simply the front rank of humanity, moving the direction of the masses. Oh. So you can sort of minimize either one in that respect, and I thought that was a really cool and like uh, fine thing I never would have picked yeah. up on. Uh, for just I would have used those interchangeably and didn't not consider the implications. Uh, yeah, no, I literally never would have thought of that. Yeah. But so, that is actually really cool. Yeah, it's cool. It makes me kind of, that. I hope it's a historian who's like writing this article Probably. and has given thought to these sort of things to be like, well, this is how history would evolve and change as you go. But more often than not, we always refer to it as the Butlerian Jihad. We we certainly do. And I think, um, I mean, maybe from a fiction point, that's just more interesting to attach a person to it because then we can um, Always refer to that in such a personal term. Have we referred to it as both in the book so far? Um, uh, 
if the Great Revolt came up, it would have been so low key. I might, you know, might have even gone B. Uh, gone well, I was just wondering if it did go, and who's the one who mentioned it? Mm-hmm. Like, what? How was their perspective on history? Ooh, let me. Uh, I got Control F. I got powers. I'm pretty sure I've heard that. All right, Mike. The, you asked some like on key questions sometimes, Ooh. and like so, I went back. I just pulled open. I control F because we have that power via Amazon Kindle. Whoa. Uh, and uh, the Great Revolt took away a crutch, she said. It forced human minds to develop. Schools were started to train human talents. Now, do you know what the line before that is? It's was pa- it? It's Polish. Oh, do you ever guess? The line before it? Yeah. If you guessed, it was. It, it's no connection. You would have been like, you would have really blown my mind. Oh, no, I thought it was another line by Guy's Helm Close. So I, I was going to give you the clue to tell oh. you. So that is Guy speaking. Uh, doesn't she go to like, ah, oh, the butlerian, surfing the OC? No, she doesn't. No, 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 it's Paul. Uh, this would have been just to tell you who it was saying the line. Because Paul, right before this says, I studied with Thufirhawa. So I knew that would cue you right uh, into that when that happened. But yeah, so it was Guy's Helen who told us. She referred to it as the Great Revolt. Um... That fact that a Bene Gesserit is the one there is going to be very pivotal as we continue on with our story. Oh. So perhaps. I feel pretty good about that. Dude, you cued in on something good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a reason the Bene Gesserit might choose to call it the revolt versus the Butlerian Jihad. Hmm. So. Uh, let's let's continue on though. All right, let's go. Uh, I don't think we have any means to tackle the leaders or events kind of question. As he said, they're so intertwined. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you need them both. Mm-hmm. Um, so historians close to those events also speculated on this same question. Historians close to those events also speculated on that same question of like the person or the event. Mm -hmm. Uh, the writings of one of them recently discovered shows how that turning point was viewed in the calm immediately following the jihad. So this is going to be, uh, oh, I got some names for you too, Mike, so you can follow along with me. Uh, just oh. to, so the spelling's going to be weird, pronunciation, you'll, you'll catch a few of them is, for me. Is it phonetic? No, no, I, oh, that probably would have been more helpful. No, <laughs> I, I, well, you, I want you to be able to tackle them with me with pronunciation right, right. sometimes. I'll so try my this, best. This top one on the list is going to be our um, historian. Right. Why don't, why don't you tackle it first? Cruel Shivan? That's what I wanted to call him. That's, I like that's a good al- way for cruel, right? Although, like, I want to, I want to say Shivan. Oh, I, oh, I think like Shivan, Shivan. I oh. would have gone with like kind of an A sound in there too for it. Uh, but either way, cruel is definitely his first. It name. looks like cruel, and but it's, it's a space cruel. U W L. It's a space too too cool for cruel. <laughs> <laughs> he, he sounds like a like a renegade mad like that'd be painted on his Mad Max car. Like too cruel for cruel <laughs> on his thopter. Yeah, oh, dude, yeah, well, Mad Max Thopters. Oh, Mad Max. Screw Mo- Dune too. We're Max doing Mollusk, that, Mike. Oh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a mollusk in there. <laughs> Pour a little bit of salt in that bad boy. You're ready to go. Oh, they're like, oh my god, that'd be like dog fighting for mollusks. Get them all riled up. I like, put a little salt on it. It flaps harder. It's brutal. Oh man. So this guy though, he um he served the he was the imperial historian for uh Saudir the second. Okay. So we're talking eight emperors in. That's the eighth emperor is Saudir the second. All right, wow. That's really, really early. Exactly. And you know basically um the establishment of the Carino line happens at the end of this whole war we're gonna go through. Even uh it's even a battle kind of after. Oh. Yeah, they all get a stat. Everything we know and love is established after what happens because of uh, Jean Butler. Gotcha. Right? That's close enough. I, I think Jean. 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 <laughs> uh, so, t- 
talking about Cruel in his major work, The Founding of the Empire. Uh, he speculates on the jihad, employing a, the metaphor of waves as affected by the tides. Again. Oh, we're going with the water. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I got you. I like it. I and like it. So he's talking about like uh, if you were going to try to like move the course of water, Mike, and you want to shift the oceans and the tides, you can't do it while the water is flowing out on the ebb. You got to do it when the water's coming in. That's when you can move things and make it happen. And that is how he sort of looks at like the human needing to be at the perfect spot at the right time. Okay. Again, what we were saying, the mix of them, right? Um. And uh, he ends with the saying of uh, a popular readiness for change is aimless without capable leadership. But the great leader without ready support ends in obscurity. Ooh, that's a line. It's perfect, right? I like that. So that could have been where Butler ended up. If she wasn't in this series of events, she would have just been any other like lady on this planet as we're going to come to find. So, such a combination was the Butlerian Jihad. Uh, Shaven was the first historian to p- point out that the Empire rested on a tripedal structure consisting <gasps> of House Carino, the Space and Guild, and Shone. Hey! He coined the term way back. I like it. We took eight emperors in before somebody got that. I was like, <laughs> I see it. I see it. Now, too the, cool for cruel, but not for tripods. <laughs> not for tripods. The, uh, the jihad cleared the way for the establishment of all three of these organizations, uh, none of which had existed before. And in researching the conditions that led to the foundation of the empire, Shavan was necessarily drawn to considering the events that had cleared the path. He began by examining the systems of commerce and government. So he's like, again, we're looking macro. He's mm. being like, how do we get here? Like, okay, let's look at each separate area then and be like, how did this happen before and after the jihad? So okay. we're going to look at just trade, right? This depends on, um, of course, just transportation, mm. politics, and communication. We're like his big three. Uh, all Both these functions prior to the Great Revolt were coordinated by computers. Uh, and basically, like, there was a patchwork of larger and smaller groups of planetary systems and traders that were all woven together. And you kind of went from here to there. Stock market. Yeah. And, but, like, you need the computer, though, to process all that data to right. make it all stay up. Otherwise, it was just a hopeless endeavor. And uh, they all depended on the faster and light ships who were, again, controlled by the computers. So, again, he's thinking of what happens when you get rid of those. Right. Because he saw that dark age that they went through before the guild shows up. Mm -hmm. Because he gets to look at this from the hindsight of having highliners and shit now where uh, they have their transportation back. They're starting to put the empire back in place. Mm -hmm. So he's looking at that period right after being like, whoa, what happened and how how did this change come about? So... uh, he gives us an example of the ending of uh, computers, and this is uh, something we touched on when you and I, we did our little uh, tidbit of pre-guild spaceflight. We did do a touch on that a little bit. And I told you about a moon, and I told you you would not have to remember it. Oh, no. Oh, it's really? back. You lied. It's back. It's Xenophon, <laughs> uh, where Sentrans is located, uh, which is like this. It's an art. I'm giving you just these blank eyes. It's just exactly what it's uh, central. I think it's central transportation uh, um, from Transcom. Uh, very <laughs> simple names the whole way through. But Transcom, the one transport company, <laughs> builds this moon that communicates. Perfect. There we go. This was an early conversation, too. Like... Define early, Mike. Like the within the first ten chapters. No. Yeah. No. No. Definitely not. Pre guild flight. We did that pretty because re- that built me up to Aurelius, uh, Venport, and Norma Senva. Oh God! What? Yeah. No. No. It was just. It's really niche. 
is what I would oh, call God. it. Um, and I told you you wouldn't have to remember it. <laughs> Maybe that was the more important I part. Just, I just like clocked out. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, well, I don't got to be here. You put up a little take cardboard a little, cut out of my little and, snooze. <laughs> Uh, but this is just uh, this planet was really central for they built like basically the biggest computer to handle ships coming in and basically every ship communicated with this one moon and you would drop out of hyperspace because we had the Holtzman um, communication line gotcha. that first okay. effect node uh, and then ultimately that becomes one of the first targets of the Jihad yeah obviously that I was, mean you always take out comms you got it yeah. yeah and you're like it's the biggest shipping network everyone has to go to oh you gotta paint it all over you hmm um, so we had kind of covered on how that worked. Uh, Transcom basically uh, routed more than uh, what was it like twelve thousand ships? I think within minutes, something like that. Oh. Like it's just so many cruising through. Oh my place. god! So with clear perception of the indispensability of communication satellites, the Crusaders of the Jihad struck early here uh, and at similar establishments. The result was immediate and final: the utter collapse of regular interstellar trade. Had Transcom and companies like it not been destroyed by the Jihad, there would not have been the transportation vacuum for the Spacing Guild to fill. So, we've assessed one part of the tripod and looked in and been like, we needed the Jihad to clear this out for the Guild to take its place. Otherwise, there would have been no incentive for them to come in this spot. Mm -hmm. And they were like a cornerstone. You also can't have the current political establishment without it. So, they're all interrelated in that means. So the next thing he takes a look at is trade. Um, and as with trade, so with government. And political organizations before the jihad uh, took too many forms, he says. <laughs> I'm like, you guys, you're trying too many stuff out. Um, although few planets were absolutely independent, most together with their nearest neighbors formed federations, confederations, unions, hierarchies, uh uh, feudocracies, which I don't even know what that is. Um, coalitions, commonwealths, empires. It goes on and on. Basically, imagine a form of government. Somebody tried it out, which <laughs> we kind of covered with um, when Chome was put in place. You had to adhere to the Frau Ferluchis to be brought into their system. Oh. Otherwise, they were like, no, you're outside of trade. Good yeah, luck. Yeah, yeah. So that was really important. Or, oh, or was it the guild? No, I, th- I think it was Chome because it was to get trade for your planet. Was it? No, wait. Oh, God, I don't remember. It's, it's tough to blend I'm not in. an expert on this. That's okay. I pretend to be on the weekdays. Uh, <laughs> so about the weekends? I take it off every time. Uh, that's why we don't do this show, Mike. I got a life. <laughs> so who's Paul? <laughs> <laughs> I just go places. <laughs> yeah. It's like I need notes. I got a busy weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fill me in. Um, so I just love that they were uh, spread throughout the world. These were everywhere. Now, uh, Everyone depended on communication. Should one member of a federation be endangered, you know, you had to send help, right? Mm-hmm. That Again, there's something kind of bind us all together. And the call for help was sent forth by automatic and self-repairing machines. Without those machines, communication was slow and chancy, and planets were kind of left to their own resources. So, so the machines are our best friends. They were. Hey, I, I don't see any to- problem here. Mm, I, yeah, we're, no one's enslaved yet. Everything's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't get too dark. Um, ultimately, like, the great houses are even around at this point too, Mike, and they survive. They were actually pre-Jihad and post. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought they were formed afterwards. No, I guess they wouldn't be, though. 
No, no. So what you, I know exactly what you're thinking of is uh, when we were doing Chome, Chome basically standardizes how you become a great house. Okay. Before we that, had people before then. Exactly. And I think it was even a little more hodgepodge. You probably had some miners that were flexing a little bit right. and like telling people they were. But it's like, you guys aren't I can land thread. <laughs> yeah, I can land thread, bro. I've been land threading for years. Like, <laughs> since before it was cool. No. Yeah, I was like, going to say cruel. <laughs> oh, I should have. I yeah. should have. I'm sorry. Um, like I said, so they've, uh, they survived all the political chaos of the Great Revolt. Mm-hmm. Uh, indeed, some even like profited from it. Oh. Bank. Oh, well, you think it's, yeah. a, it's a war. Yeah. Somebody's going to come out on top. Uh, now, and many saw the thousands of divided planets as ripe fruit for the plucking. Almost as many reached for the fruit and warfare raged for a century as would-be emperors scrambled for an imperial crown. Damn. Yeah, and that would have been, I think, one of those times, too, that uh, Holtzman probably stopped by. <laughs> it's like, like hey, we'll be back later. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Sleep mode. <laughs> uh, the Carinos ultimately emerged as victors, uh, but the early members of that house little realized what debt they owed to the Butlerian Jihad. Even the legendary Sadokar would have been little match for a unified and organized counterattack from a confederacy of hundreds of worlds. But the jihad, smashing first interstellar communication, raised large and small governments planet by planet, leaving only rubble, ready for reassembly by the nimblest barbarian. Now that's a Razia. Yeah. Oh, it's a pure Razia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They did so many. So the jihad then kind of prepares the way for the establishment of the empire, like I said. In the same way, the Great Revolt itself, prepared for by centuries of smaller waves rising to a higher tide, uh, a shadowy figure of whom we only uh, we know only a name, Dolden, enters the historical record in uh, 711 before Guild. And he's the founder of a group called Humanity First. Uh, we're getting a little. We're starting to raise the banner a little bit mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. Granted, this is seven hundred before Guild. So this is like six or five hundred years before where we're going to get to. So they had their secret meetings at Seven Eleven. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wonder if they took them for Space that. Space Seven Eleven. Uh, but it's just letting you know, like there were undercurrents the whole time before right, right, right. we even get here, right? And uh, this organized to promote less reliance on computers and to advocate appeal from the judgments of machines. Now these thinking machines, they were. With, like, AI uh, levels of artificial intelligence? hmm Okay. So they were being super hush-hush, so the machines weren't like, hey, what are you talking about there? Uh, no, no, no. So you, I think you're putting us too adversarial with these thinking machines. We're pretty, we're level. We're equals in the society. Okay. This guy in 700 before Guild is just saying, like, hey, guys, we're too reliant on them. And I don't think we should be let them judge us in ways where like they're making decisions on a judiciary level as well as we're going to see some societal choices. We're basically letting an algorithm decide. And this is just one guy being like, hey, I'm not so sure about yeah, this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just like, let's just pull it back. He's not even saying like outright, just humanity first, uh, which, yeah, yeah, that's bad. Uh, but yeah. Uh, it's it, putting it out there as a generation that was sort of like raised on Facebook. I find this amazing and hilarious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait a second. You poor souls. <laughs> oh no. Um, now exactly what circumstances provoked this group is not known, but for 500 years thereafter, tensions just increased. Uh, some few planets, Sarash and Zilish for one had computer pogroms of their own well before the birth of Jain Butler. Oh, so like already, it's already starting. Exactly. In some places, it already happened, and we're going to actually touch on this on the end of how um, 
it is almost fortunate that Butler ends up in this. And that they kind of ask, like, why didn't it happen before? Mm-hmm. Like, why did we end up with this person leading it on? Did you, you're about to say something right there. No, like, no, I was just thinking, um, the machines aren't doing anything, like, malicious at this point. They're just sort of doing what they were told to do, more or less, right? I would say that's accurate. Okay. Sort of. It will, a pogrom seems pretty extreme. Well, no. So, I mean, I got a little caveat. Let's get to, like, uh... We'll wait till the spark is thrown down. You'll see. Uh, okay. They give us a good example. A shot heard around the Imperium. Ex- exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when Jeanne appeared on the scene, uh, independent support for the movement she would create was already in place on thousands of worlds, waiting only for some great unifying cause to unite it. Um, after her conquest of her native world and its mother planet, we're going to get there. Uh, okay. A frenzy swept over the victorious forces, a frenzy fueled by almost equal parts of hysterical fanaticism and calculating greed. Oh. When, when uh, Jean Butler died in 182 before Guild, uh, the cause did not so much lose a leader as it gained a martyr. The generals who continued in her name were moved by the zeal oh. she herself could not have matched. She knew her own fears and weaknesses, defects that were forgotten by her worshippers. Sounds very Leto to me. Ooh, okay. In what way? And that uh, she's not a part of it anymore, but uh, she's been uh, iconized. You think uh, you're thinking Leto looking down at those banners? No. Well, I mean, yeah, that. But I'm sure. thinking like the imposed skull and like you know shrine of his skull and like people like uh, traveling with this jihad across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Like it, it feels the same in a way. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it's interesting too, where like, uh, I don't know if you would have guessed with like the hundred years we're going to have, like she's not around for the whole thing. She's going to guide it for 20 years and then it's going to go on for another 80. Oh, so like she, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. she wasn't at so that. Her, her name has pretty much just been like lent to this. Uh, uh, again. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's more as you, you'll well, Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Um, no, like there's reason why people pick her up for it. Like, right. uh, and she did lead it. She was the lead general. Right. Uh, okay, okay. She's a brilliant warlord. How did she die? Or a tactician. Uh, okay. I'll let the storyteller. Right. Wait, warlord. What? <laughs> she well, she's a general. Yeah. True. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so sorry. So this is like broad. We're going to go deep in her life. So I'll walk you through every step of the way, but I, we're getting sort of an overview from, uh, what cruel was able to sum up from the Rackus horde. All right. Cause, um, where we're writing from in like post God emperor world, like no one knew the truth about this event. It's all been lost in history. This is the first time they get okay. to like kind of look at these pages and iron it all out. So, uh, Cruel was the first to discover that the forces of the Jihad had another motive too. Wealth. She- oh, oh, there it is. It is. Hey, that's tried and true. That's humanity for you. Uh, Shivan found that the greater part of the Jihad forces on any given planet were mercenaries, usually recruited on the last planet conquered. <laughs> Which I love. Everybody just moved. Um, <laughs> They're pirates now. Yeah. Well, Who wants to join? You know you what's got funny two choices. is that somebody just took your house, so now you have to go take somebody else's house. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, was it Shavon found uh, that the greater part of the forces were mercenaries, and uh, the most adventurous and the most dispossessed were easily tempted by the thought of spoils on a planetary scale. So I think everybody saw, like, I can own a whole continent if I pull this off, right? Like, I can get anything. Uh, and just laying down claims like crazy. Welcome um, to Mike Land. Yeah. I mean, well, you think you, you like, glass a whole planet. Not glass it, but you're murdering so many thousands of people. There's room. Uh, yeah. Like, for entrepreneurs to come down. 
Now, to conceive of the jihad, one should not think of an imperial army or of like Paul's Fremen, but rather think pirate fleets. I love how it said Paul's Fremen. Paul's Fremen. Hey, that's what Jessica wanted. Yeah. Uh, Moving when and where their commanders will, uh, with little in common but the name of Jean Butler. Oh, I did it again right there. Jean. Jean. Jean Butler. Uh, And a hatred for the machines they could neither understand nor replace. Uh, Many, many times on the planet Wenkali, for instance, local resistance was absent. Like the Jihad showed up, and they're like, Hands up, we surrender, welcome. <laughs> and the planet would still be devastated by fighting. Oh, God, why? Sometimes, Mike, between two groups of crusaders who were just trying to show who was more, like, uh, pure oh in their faith. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, it got out of hand. I'm reading a book similar to this. This is kind of, like, <laughs> surreal. I mean, it definitely, it's pulling from some tried and true history. Like, yeah, that yeah. is always how, a like, a, a pure event like I mean, that Yeah, happens. no, no, it makes sense. People capitalize on it and manipulate it. Hmm. Uh, so with Jin gone, uh, the jihad had no higher objective other than destruction of the computers. It was successful beyond expectation in that aim, so, and the movement dwindled uh, as it found fewer and fewer targets for its wrath. We got. But who was the one who killed uh, Jean? How did she die exactly? <laughs> you, you, you gotta wait for the story. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't just go. You're, to you're giving me the spark notes. <laughs> I want all the juicy yeah, bits. I want to build you up. We're gonna get there. Okay. I gotta. I can't believe you don't even want to know about her life. You just wanted her to go straight to her death. But like she lived. <laughs> no, a- I think I've learned about her life. It's pretty much planet to planet. Blow it up. <laughs> oh, you know nothing, my young friend. <laughs> so if I, I'm so close to getting us out of here. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, in its wake, or to continue Chevon's metaphor, as it ebbed. Oh, you know, because we're going the back to modern current. Uh, it left both poverty and opportunity. It burned a hatred and fear of thinking machines so deeply into the human psyche that one wonders if that wound has yet completely healed. And we're talking, oh, we're 10, 000, over 10,000 years removed now. And this guy's just like, one day we'll get over it. <laughs> but not yet. Hasn't, hasn't returned my CDs yet. <laughs> yeah, still waiting. Now, yet at the same time, there is no denying that all the expansions of individuals and society that followed, the Mentat training, the Spacing Guild, the Empire itself, was made not just possible, but necessary by the Jihad. Right, because you needed the Mentats to like uh, store information, calculate at high speeds. Yeah, we were uh, like how Gaius Helen Mahim just described. Our crutch was kicked out from under us. Right, we the need gu- to yeah. walk. The guild is needed now, like... I mean, you can't travel without them. Mm -mm. Now, to weigh the gains against the losses, the newfound talents and resources against the suffering that preceded them demands a scale that has not yet been invented. Wait, what? He's just saying... One more time for me. What? To To weigh the gains against the losses, the newfound talents and resources against the suffering that preceded them demands a scale that has not yet been invented. So, like, e- even if we could, like, uh, see these things, we just we don't even have the technology to measure I mean, it's it. Like, like, it's not possible. And, like, how do you measure Do you measure it in terms of morality? Do you measure it in well, terms yeah, that's of knowledge? The yeah. Like, yeah. There's no system that is can actually equal. I mean, like, yeah. I guess. And I like it. Like, he's saying, yeah, recognizing the tragedy and, like, how we lost a piece of our humanity in a way, but we gained something else. So, my my theory here is Frank never continue, like wrote anything else about this. Just sort of like this loose thing of like, this was the Butlerian Jihad. 
This, this is he, where we are he now. Definitely decided on Jane Butler, uh, and the crusade lasting like a hundred years, and her dying at some point in the crusade. And I think that's pretty much what he hammered down. There might be some bits in like Heretics and Chapter House. I'm not fully recalling, but that's my my beef with it. All right, so. I mean, I'm honestly just guessing it is a device that he uses in order to explain why we have this world where, like, humans are more than human. Or, like, maybe the ultimate expression oh, of oh, what humanity definitely. can be. No, yeah, yeah. If but, you want a, a roundabout way to be, like, how to iron out his uh, kind of yeah. universe to make this fe- this uh, sci-fi feudal society. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, 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 uh, I like the story so far behind it, but I almost uh, wonder if the reason he doesn't really go into it is because it doesn't matter. Beyond the like knowing impact. the history of it, yeah, yeah. For sure. Other than like I, now, I just want to draw parallels behind like you will, Paul's current path no, that he's trying to avoid. I can also tell you, just like I said, those interviews I've watched of Frank Herbert doing it, he loved not iron like being so finite with everything, like leaving these big open endings so that you can just fill it in, like use your imagination of him being like almost like I shouldn't have to do everything. Like <laughs> think about it, you make it up. Um, I do that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, but I think that would be a big component of it, of him being like, no, I left that so it, you're not like bound by this. It can be whatever you want because mm-hmm. I didn't tell you it wasn't. I think that is pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I mean, think about it. That lets your fanboys have like, you can talk for hours about it and be like... I'm already starting my fanfic. Yeah, yeah. And Pider brings back the machines. <gasps> I think Brian might have stolen that one from you. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> That just sounds. Wait, like... what? No, I'm kidding. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think Spider's back. You should write him a letter. <laughs> he might do some fan service for you, buddy. I need a Piter bio. Uh, Ryan, Piter Kevin. <laughs> All right, we did the big picture, Mike. Let me get a little, a uh, little more specific for you. All right, we got to go to a new planet. Now, Mike, I, I misread this planet the first time. I really wanted it to be Cosmos. Cosmos? <laughs> it was with a K, too. Uh, oh! But it's uh, Comos. Comos. Because the people on it are Comans. Which okay. has got to be Romans, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it sounds kind of That's the only thing it could be. So, uh, this is in the system Arundi A. It's the ninth planet in the system. Right. And... Uh, I got nothing else to really tell you about it. It's sort of a normal planet, 50% landmass. It's got uh, 10% fresh waters, 40% salt oceans. Uh, it does have unusually deep topsoil, making it amazing for agriculture. Okay. Yeah. This place, some, it's a farming planet. Yeah, exactly. It's the ideal farming planet. Uh, you can produce so much crops over this. And then it has like these drier sections that are just perfect for sustaining large herds of animals. So. Hey. Uh, there's a planet nearby called uh, Richis. They take over Comos. And they're oh. like, hey, guys, you're ours now. <laughs> I've heard Richis before. Yeah, they come up all the time. Uh, Brian Herbert expands on them a lot in his ones. Uh, oh. They are, he ends up tying them close in with the Atreides. Uh, we, oh, really? Yep. Uh, like, there's a family, the Richis family. Like, they're a great house oh, kind of deal. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Um, I don't remember exactly how they fit into our dune. I think, actually, do you, if you look at the glossary, they're in there. Aren't they? Is there a Richis? Oh, let me take a look here. In the, uh, in the actual dune book. I think we get a little uh, heads up of them. Richis. Yeah, R-I-C-H-E-S-E. Yeah. <clears throat> Fourth planet of Eridani A, classed with Ix as Supreme in Max. Oh, wait, what? As supreme in machine culture. Yeah, yeah. They be- but not thinking machines. No. 
Ooh, question mark. Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there, Mike. Uh, basically, there's always rumors. It's just rumors. Oh, like, oh, oh, that's the rumor. You were telling me I they were like rumors. Okay. The Ixians always are like, are they? what are they doing on that? Gotcha. Now. Noted for miniaturization. Yeah, yeah. They're really. Weird. So, you know what they probably make? OC Bibles, baby. I was going to say <laughs> Apple products. <laughs> So small in the future. Yeah, little OC Bibles. I can yeah. imagine that. Yeah. So uh, I guess you, you caught it there. So they're the first, fourth planet in the same system here. Now, they conquer uh, Comos and basically make it their agricultural planet. And they have like a huge army. Um, they are a manufacturer and whatnot at this point. And the Comans are just like farmers. And okay. they're sort of like, well, we're just going to take everything. You farm. <laughs> Okay. The comments are just like, uh, okay. Do we do anything different? (laughs) They really don't. That's (laughs) that's why it kind of works for the comments. I'm like, they just become serfs, I guess. Yeah. Um, Well, basically, so the planet Comos was a, it's a province of its neighbor, Richie's, and Richie's appoints a planetary governor. So I got some news for you back on that. The planetary governor they point is called an exarch. Ooh, that's a cool one. Yeah, it's good. That's a good yeah, title, good, right? Good title. I, I like, like that. And uh, so they rule um, at the discretion of the home government. So Richie's tells them what to do. They're in charge of that whole planet. Do whatever they need to. Okay. Uh, the Exarch was given a small garrison, but the, the, the domination of Comos did not depend on military force. Rather, they controlled it through the threat of military force. And basically, the population of Richie's was close to 500 million and their army was larger than the total population of Comos. Like, like our army beats your farmers. Like, we're done. <laughs> this <laughs> like, equation's over. I didn't think they were going to fight back anyways, though. They really weren't, because the Richies also forbade Comos for having space vessels. So basically, like, they They can't... just enslaved them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're really thorough. But they don't do anything on the planet. That's their one thing we give them. Like they're not imposing their religion on the people right, right, or right. like their laws or anything. They just want your food. It's really weird setup. Okay. So it feels very, uh, very bandit esque. What does that mean? Like bandits come, they take your food and just like, peace out. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to get to. So the XR, he had two responsibilities, Mike. Number one, ensure the tribute. That's sending the food back. Gotcha. Number two, keep the peace. Do it in that order. <laughs> like, uh oh. Yeah. If you um, gotta choose one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we want the food. Um, now, Richis produces no food stuff itself. They are entirely dependent Ooh. on this chain, right? Oh, God. They're pure that's manufacturing. Not, that's not good. It's a big, yeah, you think it's a red flag yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. of your, like, looking at our long term plans yeah, and yeah, stuff? Yeah. Not sustainable. Mm mm. But they did it, nonetheless. <laughs> now, uh, beyond the office of the Exarch, who's ruling this, the planet gets divided into 10 administrative districts uh, whose bureaucratic trees were called Logistos. Logistos? So those are, that's the culminative name of the, all these districts. No, no, so that's like the title of the guy who's... So like Exarch and then Logisto. Okay. He appoints... They're like the district governors. All right. Each district will have its own name. We're only going to know we'll learn one of them. We're going to meet one of these Logistos, which is why we're learning that name. Okay. Right okay. So all 10 Logistos report to the Exarch. Exactly. Gotcha. And then that is dividing up Comos. All right. He's just like, man, this is work. You 10. You you got it. <laughs> you got it. Oh, delegate. 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 I got to deal with this tribute. Um, <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm going golfing. <laughs> It's a beautiful planet for that, I bet. If it's mm. all agriculture, there's got to be some good golf go. courses, some links. 
Now, um, each Logisto uh, was chosen from the population of the administrative district he directed. His chief responsibility was to provide the central government in Pylos, so that's our capital on Comos, okay. uh, with accurate estimates of the harvest that's going to be coming each year. And this is all basically leading up to the tribute. We want to make sure it's very Hunger Games at this point. Kind of. We got ten oh districts. God, ten, oh my we, god! We have one capital. We all send our tribute in. Do you think there's any sort of inspiration from this? I I think it. Aren't they? Wouldn't it be contemporary? Isn't that book like in the eighties? What Hunger Games? Yeah. No. Yeah. It was a sleeper, my friend. No, it wasn't. We can look it up. Damn. All right. Never mind. You're right. What yeah. I, I remember I, when those books came I, out. What am I thinking of? I have no fucking idea. Huh? There's some series that uh. I mean, it's not Game of Thrones, is it? That didn't come out that earlier, right? Uh, well, no, that was like 1990, I think, was when the first one came out. Maybe maybe that is what I'm thinking of then. The, no, definitely no, not, not contemporary. No, 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 no. But or no, it is, it is contemporary. Definitely not old. Contemporary to us. <laughs> not, to, <laughs> yeah. not to the book. I was thinking of the encyclopedia. I can champagne. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can brew. My... <laughs> we can brew. Ooh, it's cruel. <laughs> uh, so... Like I said, yeah, they're just reporting on the harvest. That's always what the most important thing is. Uh, now, the grip of Richie's domination on Colmos oh, was loose. Wait a second. We didn't even touch on the point that I was uh, confused about. That uh, Do you think that they took from the encyclopedia as like a form of inspiration at all? Oh, well, wouldn't the answer be no? No? The Hunger Games? Yeah. Oh, no, no. You were saying, oh, I'm sorry. I, did, I interpreted the reverse. I just fucked that this, up. Because what, what year yeah, was yeah. the encyclopedia written? Right, right. In 84. So, yeah, the encyclopedia could have ceded that idea to her. I mean, like, I'm not, I mean, yeah, no. I just feel like it's so specific. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's a cool concept. I think it is a really cool concept. Yeah. And there, uh, isn't there, like, a revolt in those books? I didn't finish them. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's where they get on to. Yeah. Uh, but I also think this is taken, I mean, mainly from, like, Tribute is such an old concept of like, you know, this is a pre-taxation kind of idea of like, that's what you give to your government before we had like currencies. And True, all this but stuff. I mean, like you've got all the serfs divided into 10 no, districts. Okay. And provided. It's very, very precise. Yeah. Not, I can't push back on that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you got me. I just think that's kind of cool. Something to think about. Yeah. Right. So now let, let's dive in with this uh, Richie's and their control on Comos. And like I told you, like they, uh, there was no enforcement of religion. You didn't have to do our laws. We're not even going to make you speak our language. Uh, we're going to recommend it in the capital, but uh, <laughs> that's just to make shit easy while we come down here. Uh, otherwise, everyone's left alone. And honestly, for the citizens, pretty, pretty okay. We're all right with that. Because, like, good. Mike, we don't go to fucking tribute. Um, <laughs> when you literally, when tribute's happening, most of the people are still just on their farm or their ranch. Like, they don't care. They're mad that you came and took it, but like, you know, it's it's like when the royals get married. We don't we don't care. Like, do your thing. Um, Another day in Cosmos. <laughs> Como. Como. I wanted it to be Cosmos. I just think of the Fairly Odd Parents at that point. Why is that like one of their names? Oh, it's like uh, yeah, it's the uh, the green haired fairy. His name is Cosmo. Oh, okay. I think of uh, I was gonna make a Kramer reference ultimately. Oh, for my but yeah, yeah, Cosmo Kramer. Um, I think we're showing our age. Yeah. Um, so continuing on then to oh. hide our age. Uh, while it is true that the control of uh, Comos was far less uh, merciless than it might have been, the population did not think of their overlords as benevolent. They, did kind of, they knew, right. they, they, knew like, they were slaves. They just take the food. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're kind of, this historian sort of basically concludes the revolt 
that's going to come up would have happened anyway. But mm-hmm. because of how they did things, it just pushed, kicked the can down the road. Oh. Because the Comans were, they were going to tolerate it for, it was tolerable. Right, and right. then eventually we were just like, all right, no more of this. We got to do something. And uh, ultimately it's because these people were just rural people. Now, the Comans, to give you an idea of like what they are like as a society, their most important bit is the family. And they are basically kind of Fremen-esque in how they build them up. Um, oh. And they also elevate women in their society a little bit, where mm-hmm. while the man had its normal, like, social role as we'd recognize it, of, like, you know, they're the provider, this or that, the woman was ultimately responsible for the, um, would it be, like, the prosperity of the family unit. Like, making sure everyone lives, making sure this family advances. Keep everything together. Mm-hmm. And in turn, the religious side of life. Oh. always women oriented they always had priestesses and this and that and oh, so cool. they were always inclined to take uh, instruction from women because of this and ultimately that is why when the jihad starts off a woman is elevated to one of the positions of leadership is that you needed a woman in the position of the religious leadership here it's just part of their society was it john butler uh, it will ultimately be. yeah uh, oh actually her and oh. a couple other women Hey, ooh. There's a whole little cohort we're going to get into. Some priestesses who uh, they hashed out. Wait, was Jean a priestess? She, uh, no. Again, we'll get, let me finish oh, okay. up my outline. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so the adults and their ancestors uh, provided the resources out of which the future of the family would be created. And that future achieved form and life in their children. Fathers retained control of the lives of their progeny for their lives. When a father died, each of his adult sons, whether married or not, became fully independent uh, for the first time. Which, that sounds awful. (laughs) (laughs) My dad's still alive. I don't know about you, but like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I feel like this would lead to a lot of patricide in some situations. I'll be my own man. (laughs) Yeah. It would just be so absurd. Um... I mean, we don't have spice lives yet, but we're getting there. I know what fertilizes those fields. <laughs> Dead dads. Um, women on Comos, though they enjoyed no legal status in that they could uh, not appear in court or inherit without the appointment of a guardian, right. nonetheless possessed great powers within the family and society at large. So that is the counterpoint of like, you know, this is written by a man in the yeah, <laughs> like. We're not going like, to give you anything, but you're important. But look how mo- I gave them so much. And like, you just took away all their rights in that one line. <laughs> <I've> read, <laughs> we have voting now. <laughs> you knew this. Um, and again, then it kind of hits on of like the religious aspect where the, what the Col- Colmos was controlled by priestesses. The religious life of the family was in the hands of the father's wife. So just as every male hoped to head his own family one day, so every young woman hoped to guide uh, the sacred well-being of her family. The only other social entity worthy of note was the tribe. This is Fremen, right? Very Fremen. Yeah, and this sort of like just merges like groups of families, essentially, where members of a tribe trace their ancestry to a common male ancestor. They shared certain religious observances and uh, a common burial ground. So very tied to the land and where they were going to be. Like, just like regional agricultural people. Oh. Party people. I love them. Okay. Uh, but man, they get rain. That's our difference with the Fremen, I guess. Yeah. Yep. It makes life a lot easier, I think, in a lot of ways. <laughs> also, their plan doesn't want to kill them. No. 
No, not at all. <laughs> if we're going to get to the thing that wants to kill them. So, Rob goes, it's a little hot today. Yeah, no. <laughs> the humidity gets you like a big old glass of water. <laughs> now, uh, religious rites from birth to death focused around the worship of the goddess. Ku- uh, so, I want to call this Kubebe. It's K-U. Kubebe. <laughs> Kubebe. It's, uh, I found, it's a German word for like a hot pepper, though. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. And it's uh, Kubebe. Kubebe. Doesn't sound German. I'm probably wrong, but hey, that's just the only uh, etymology I could find of it. That's fine. Uh, But we're going to go with Kubebe because I think that's great. Now, Kubebe is the mother goddess. She's regarded as the source of all life, animal and plant. Uh, In common with similar religions, her followers believe that each year the world died as a result of the absence of their goddess. Winter. Oh. Yeah, and then spring is rebirth. And what I love is it keeps going and basically says, like, yes, they understood the science beyond the, like, it's the orbits that do this, but they held to their um, uh, cultural traditions. And then they still agree that, like, yes, but if the mother goddess uh, wanted the winter to be different, she would change the orbit if she had to. And so be it. I'm I like, like that. And so they let him like, have a cool way of thinking. Yeah, they're like, oh, you want to make it science? Fine. But she put it in that orbit. Mm-hmm. So it would be this. So mm-hmm. it would equal this. Um, <laughs> But they have this great feeling of nature, and so that's how they interpret the seasons. Um, now, if uh, as Kubebe's absence killed their planet, only her return could resurrect it. To ensure that the return, even the uh, to ensure that return, even the most serious rituals of mourning, cleansing, uh, reinvigorating, and finally rejoicing became a yearly cycle. These rituals were directed uh, by the tribe's priestess, who was seen as a link between goddess and the Comans. And we're going to call Ooh, them Comans going forward. The Comans. Yeah. Uh, that get anything like kind of a hair on the back of your neck? Remind you of any group that we need to yeah. kind of bring up here? What are you yeah. thinking? Uh, wait, wait. One more, one more time. Because I want to see the, say the Fremen. Oh, okay. I'm not going with Fremen. But like, you're thinking the priestesses like the Bene Gesserit? Exactly. Uh, because priestesses, Mike, they were trained at any of uh, several primary training centers, but there was one higher-level school which graduated priestesses. There, they received an introduction into training of the Bene Gesserit. Oh, God, it, it is the Bene Gesserit. It is. The, that, isn't that great? They literally just put them, of like, oh, we'll do finishing school for you. <laughs> Come right on in. You want to go to grad school? <laughs> exactly. All priestesses were at least qualified members of the order it is probable that the chief priestesses were all reverend mothers Whoa. right place right time influencing oh history the Bene Gesserit would be there that's gotta be like right. a progenitor chapter house oh my deal. god now considering their vital role in Como's uh, social history it is not surprising that the priestesses of Kubebe played an essential part in the Butlerian Jihad or the Great Revolt, uh, which began in 200 BG. Uh, and this continues of, uh, this is a great line of, uh, after centuries of bucolic existence under the thumb of Rachis, the populations of Comos arose and almost unanimously traveled to Rachis as a conquering army. Now, I wonder what egged them on. What was it that did it? And who is this butler? I love that this is the first time it's mentioned as Great Revolt as well. Mm-hmm. Of like, uh, yeah, you can't. I'm, I'm really feeling like, oh, what's that? Benny Jezzer is just like, I got an idea. I know he can move things along. 
I think we can speed this up <laughs> a few generations. <laughs> uh, sisters. But which one of them was the first one to break the rules, Mike? No, Bene Gesserit follows the rules. <laughs> so that brings us to Jean Butler. Hey! hey! Oh, God, wait. Was she a Bene Gesserit? Uh, again, Mike, you're just going to have to fucking wait. But yeah, she's Bene Gesserit. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Oh, I didn't yeah. even think about that. <laughs> it didn't even cross your mind. It didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> didn't even know to entertain the idea. So, I mean, let's get the biographical bullshit out of the way. Parents, unknown. Oh, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Benny Jesuit to me. <laughs> Sounds like Frank to me. <laughs> so Doesn't matter. Go hard and fast. <laughs> Put it to print. It wasn't Frank, though, that wrote this. <laughs> he could have said, no, no, no. You can't give him the full out. He still proofread I think it. he just skimmed it. He's <laughs> like, all right, this is fine. But I'm going to change anything I want to, right? <laughs> hey, I gave you that letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and ultimately, totally not worth it. It's unimportant. So she's born on Comos, uh, which is this planet. She was born in uh, 230 BG. She's going to be 30 when we kick things off. Okay. Uh, she marries a butler. That's how she gets her last name. <laughs> and his name is uh, Thetter. 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 T-H-E-T apostrophe R. That's a space name. It's a good space name. Thetter Butler. Uh, they ended up with no children, and she has her accolades. Leader of the revolt of Comos. Leader Butlerian Jihad. Oof. Yeah. Was uh is Thetter a farmer? Um, no. You know what he is, Mike? He's a logisto. Oh, one of the the governing forces or he, one of the district di- governors. District governors, yeah. Oh exactly. That's why we went through all that. Yeah, I gave you some okay. titles. Like, okay. we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna use them. Those weren't throwaways. All right. So uh Jean Jean Butler, uh Gave her name to the Butlerian Jihad, one of the most enduring developments in the history of the race. As leader of the revolt of Comos against Rachis, and then of the Jihad for the first 20 years of its course, she left an imprint on the minds of her followers, which bespeaks her extraordinary personality. So then it gives me a little uh, description of like from people just saying the words to describe her, of powerful, resolute, intuitive, and merciful. To those who knew her, she was a little short of a saint, and after her death, she became one in the minds of millions. Cool Benny Gesserit woman. Cool Benny Gesserit. We're going to get like probably like strong Jessica vibes, I feel, the whole way through. You think so? Uh, oh, but that's who we're reading off of. Like, okay. Isn't that who that kind of sounds like? I mean, so far, she's the only Benny Gesserit I've really like had more than one chapter with. Sure, so. sure. And seen on a personal yeah. level. And I think maybe that's why. Is and it, it took us a lot of chapters to get there. Yeah, true, true, true that, true that. Um, so I got to just remind you, uh, this is a result of all the material produced from the excavations of the Rackus Horde. Okay. Uh, so within that, we are able to transform her from a legend into a historical personality. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, I think we should also just put that other tab note here, guys. This is just the encyclopedia. So uh, if you don't want to attach to this, just let it go and choose your own history. We could, you said Frank didn't write anything more about exactly. it. Exactly. So. Yep. Uh, and we're just going to get really precise here going okay. forward. So uh, Jean was trained as a priestess on Comos and also as a Bene Gesserit. Because, again, she moved up that track. I think that's super cool. It's just, oh, it's yeah. cool. it just baffles me. I didn't even consider but that. But, Mike, rather than following the career of a priestess, either from her own decision or that of her order, she married Thetter Butler. Oh. That took her out of that program. But I love that they put that in either from her own decision or that of her order. I like that they're being sneaky about yeah, it. You got to be coy. You got to include like, that possibility. Honestly, I feel like a uh, Butlerian 
jihad, great revolt. That's very Benny Gesserit. They'd be like, hey, we just need this. Just move a couple well, gnomes and, around. And they, they would be aware that there's already like, you know, little waves cresting, right? Yeah. And they're like, we need something bigger, right? We got to put these pieces into play. Now, uh, Fetter, as we said, he's the Logistos of Zania. And that's one of the 10 districts on Comos. Okay. Do you know what the other nine are? I do not. Oh, okay. We got the coolest one, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a space district. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's X-A-N-I-A. Oh, it's middle of the next. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's no Z there, my friend. That's an Whoa, X. Whoa, that's like the next level space name. <laughs> it's dangerous. <laughs> now, in the same year as their marriage, Mike, uh, this is 205 before Guild, mm-hmm. five years before midnight at this point, before the war starts. Uh, Jean went to the capital of Pylos to enter the hospital for the birth of her child. Now, both of them, uh, they had had this baby pretty late in their life, at least for their culture. Okay. Um, so they were really eager for this birth. They were pretty excited for it. Uh, when on the delivery table, Jean was anesthetized. When she awoke, she and her husband were informed that their daughter, Sarah, had been aborted. (gasps) Oh! The hospital explained that the fetus had been too deformed to survive. The abortion was described as therapeutic. Jeez. That, that sounds fishy to me, though. A little bit. Why? It was like, hey, we're going to put you under. Oh, no, baby's gone. Well, I assume they did that so they could perform the abortion. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. It sounds fishy to me. And you're, yeah. Like, there's a twinkle in your eyes, Derek. Well, oh, yeah. But that's because <laughs> that's because you didn't pick up on what I was hoping you'd pick up on. Oh. Now, Mike, imagine you're Benny Gesserit and you have a baby in your stomach. There are a few things you know that are very different from any other woman, right? Oh, what does she know? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Jean's control of her own body, which as a result of her Bene Gesserit training, extended beyond those muscle systems usually thought of as automatic, had permitted a deep knowledge of the growth of her child within the womb. She was convinced that it was impossible for her child to have been so grievously malformed as the hospital had described. So basically, like, she's like, and she's even leaving room of, like, even if there was some problem, it wasn't that bad. Right. Like, I would have known beforehand. So she's in a unique position. She's wife of the Logistos. Mm -hmm. She's going to pull some strings and look into what happens. Because ultimately, like, she just comes to believe that her child's death was at best unnecessary. And, like, I think... That wording makes right. it seem like she's giving them an amazing so this, allowance. This is prior to her name being lent to the uh, five the revolt. Yep, we're five years before the revolts kick okay. off. She she's gonna be the. Is this gonna be a driving factor? This in is it? oh yeah yeah. This is this is the spark. This is the inciting incident. Oh, this is what's gonna get this whole ball rolling. And this why? is the missing baby around the world. Exactly. Oh yeah yeah. Missing. I'm glad you <laughs> used that word. Uh, but then the other one. So. Uh, using her access to official records provided by Fetter's position as Logistos, she discovered within the archives of the hospital evidence that the hospital director, the first self-programming machine on Comos, what? had Wait. instituted a program of unjustified abortions. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, let's, ba- let's unpack that one. Not missing, baby. Sort of. So, this... First self-programming machine. Oh. This is from Rachis. This is yeah, part okay. of their control on the planet kind They're of They're just deal. doing experiments? Not experiments. I It is never more specific than like, so I interpret that as basically like, I think the machine was acting from a good place, but is 
if like uh, if you let an algorithm decide these things, like we have these uh, algorithms that uh, police use to decide tell you where crime is, mm-hmm. and like the biggest problem with that is it only can rely on input data. So if you are only inputting data that says there's crime in one area, it's never gonna want make you look at the other area because crime is always in that one area. So it just keeps telling you to keep going back and look for crime, hmm. and then they bust people for little shit because they were just so like looking for the smallest crime there, right? To kind of confirmation bias sort of thing. So I would give the robot the benefit of the doubt. You know, it's trying to do something, and then it just you know duplicated an error and ends up doing something awful. But it's you know it's a it's a machine. It's not going to have the empathy. That right. Clearly, it's the point of this jihad, right? So, or you can go more malicious, and yeah, maybe they were using them as fodder. Maybe they don't they don't care about them to some extent, right? Uh, and some weird shits going on in Rachis Mike. So if you want to like, uh, I'm curious now about Rachis. Yeah, why don't you? Uh, we'll come back to your little theory there, and we'll let you uh, discuss after we meet. I don't, uh, what was my theory? I don't even fucking remember. That the pro the robot was performing experiments on them. Oh, somehow, oh yeah, okay. Some, one, yeah, or yeah, the yeah. Rachisians perhaps were like telling no, the robot. It, well, maybe because it was a self programming. Self programming. Self programming. That's super date. That's judgment day shit right there. I was gonna also. I would say that might have like a different kind of meaning compared to how you and I would use it. If eighty four like. Oh, concept yeah. of AI has to have changed a little bit in the zeitgeist and how familiar we are with like what programming is. What year did uh, 2001 come out? Um, ooh, uh, the book. Uh, the book came out the same year as the movie. Did it really? Really cool. Whoa. Thing. Yeah, they actually, he wrote it the same time Kubrick was setting up the screenplay for it. And it was like done in tandem. And then for some reason, though, there's a different moon you go to in the movie than in the book. And it's like, why didn't you guys get on the same page for that one? Weird. Uh, 1968. 68, okay, okay. Yeah, that, okay. I could see that being contemporary, though. I mean, like, to the time of Dune, yeah. I mean, the, No, def- no, no, I'm saying the understanding of AI. Like, oh. I think 2001 is pretty on board for me, of like, yeah, that's how I, like, evil AI, that's who I look to, is right, right. Out, in a way. Um, but interesting. So nonetheless, that is the, the missing baby. Not heard around the world, because uh, it's gone. Okay, noticed by a woman, it's like, hey, wait a second. Wait, what? <laughs> Notice by its mom. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, I, wait, what? Why did you specify woman there? Well, because she's the only one that's aware of this. Oh, okay. Yeah, as a whole problem right yeah. now. Yep. Yeah. Uh, armed with this information, she approached the priestesses of Kubebe for their aid in creating a movement against the uh, domination by Rachis. Oh, we're going, we're going straight to the powers that be. And I love that. That's like, I'm going to the women. Yeah. I could go to my husband. I could go to the, no, I'm going to go to these girls. They know what's up. Well, I mean, she's already part of the organization. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and she, yeah. the respect and, and how integrated they are through the whole society. Plus her husband would be a little bit on the wrong side of things. Like we don't need to tell the Rachis what we're doing. Right, right, right. That's who we're mad at. Uh, but her husband is obviously on her side. They have a Lado Jessica kind of relationship. Oh, okay. Tried and true. These two are awesome together. Um, so at the same time these overtures were being made to the priestesses, uh, Jeanne and Theder began the formation of a secular organization. Using Theder's administrative abilities, and that's <laughs> apparently what he does. That's his superpower. He's got the MBA. <laughs> Um, and Jean's gift for rhetoric, amplified by her Bene Gesserit schooling, a front for the end of Coman explo- exploitation was formed. Now, I think that's a, that's, that's a mouthful. That's not a good... I just get like 99 uh, theses kind of 
steals from this. Ooh, what, do you, what do you mean? Like when Martin Luther like uh, yeah, bang, nailed, banged yeah. him on. Okay, I I just wanted to give him some punch up and a better recommendation for liberation name. Like I want, I was thinking Komen Liberation Front, and then you oh. get KLF. That's a good paramilitary like uh, abbreviation. I just think uh, the front for the end of Komen exploitation doesn't roll off the tongue. I'm not afraid of that. Feck, F E K E. Like what are you guys Feck doing? It. <laughs> <laughs> that might work, but it makes them giggle. Get, you strike while they're laughing. Machines are just like, I don't get it. Yep. <laughs> Processing. Now, uh, their movement was a speedy success, probably because of that administrative ability. And uh, <laughs> and was their request, uh, as was their request for the priestess's aid. So everything comes together at once. And contrary to some cynical opinions, there's this like a little problem in the future where they look at this as a history and they think that the priestesses were a little worried about their safety of their positions. Like, was their power about to be usurped? But ultimately, mm. like the way the history builds it up, like no, they they bought it. They were more on board than uh, Jane was in some respects. Really? Yeah. So rather, the priestesses likely entered the struggle for the same reason that the rest of the Comans did. They were appalled by the evidence Jehane was able to put forward concerning the actions of the hospital director, and they agreed that the time had come. Move against Rachis. So. Oh, my God. The coup on Comos was the first example of the organizational genius of Theder Butler and the tactical brilliance of Jehane. Uh, the choice was the tribute collection week as the occasion for the coup. All right. Right? All well, right. Mike, we don't have ships. We need a bunch of spaceships. We're going to hijack some ships. We're going to take them all. The seizure of the tribute fleet for transport to Rachis, the timing and execution of a lengthy and intricate plan which achieved total surprise and an almost bloodless victory. Wow. Took them all. That, the, I mean, Rachis was so complacent at this point. He just walked in and said, it's ours. We'll take these keys. Oh, okay. okay. You guys going to fly in there? Okay, yeah, whatever. I'll stay here. It's a nice planet. It's a little hot, though. <laughs> now, uh, the Comans went to Regis with nothing more than a successful revolution in mind. They discovered there the extent to which their hospital director was simply a reflection of a state of society beyond their imagination. Oh, God, what is, uh, what is Regis like? Well, Mike, uh, why don't we take a little break? Uh, Wait, what? Pay, pay some chum tax, and we'll come right back to that one. <laughs> ah! <laughs> All right, Derek, so we're going to have to... Open up a new bottle here in just a sec, because we just breeze through that first one. That's already gone? It's already gone. <laughs> I got a little bit of love in your glass, but I'll start on this one. But okay. in the meantime, you know what we can do, Derek? Yeah. We what can, do we got? We can tell everyone that we partner with Audible, and right now they're offering our listeners a free 30-day trial when they visit audibletrial.com slash pod. Oh, my God. And you can get any book you want. They can get any book they want. So one credit is what they get when they sign up, and they can use it to pick from one of thousands of titles like Dune, that was my first audiobook. And our easiest recommendation. The easiest recommendation you got. But if they sign up with their Amazon Prime account, mm -hmm. they get two credits. Oh boy. Two audiobooks. Doesn't matter what the price is. Mm -hmm. I buy like $45 books all the time and I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, we're constantly money, pushing money, it. Money. Get the biggest book you can, get the best book you can. <laughs> Recently, I've been going by narrators, Mike. Oh, that's a good idea. I, I've started to hear similar voices myself. What are you reading right now? So, going through the Christmas season, I found a really great one on there, which was The Christmas Carol. Classic. Oh. Mike, read by Tim Curry. 
<gasps> a, and it's even like a special presentation by Tim Carey. Oh my God. How yeah. much is that? I'll just buy it. I, it's actually, so if you guys are signed up for Audible, it's an Audible original. So it's included in your deal. You can just go and add it to your library. You don't need to spend a credit on it. You can just go throw it in and listen to it. And it's so good. It's very short. It's about uh, three and a half hours. Tim Curry reading the Christmas Carol. It's going to be, that's how I'm doing my Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that sounds pretty excellent, actually. But hey, you know, if you got this tree still up, you can still do it. It's fine. We won't tell. Mm-mm. And honestly, I forget to take the tree down until February. I, Mike, there are two trees in your house right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you should sure know. Sure it's Christmas for me. <laughs> <laughs> if we water it, it's a plant. Christmas for Christmas. <laughs> But Derek, you get a credit every month. You're signed up. But what if you don't want to be signed up anymore? Ooh, well, first off, Mike, they're going to give you a courtesy email when you get to the end of your trial period. And you get to save every book added in your library for life. For life. So that free credit that you spend, it's just your free book. Yeah, free audiobook for everyone who listens here. Why wouldn't you not want to do that? Hey, we understand that you know the value of a good book. You'll read Dune. We're going to help you get a free audiobook when you visit audibletrial.com slash spiceworldpod. So guys, get over there. Type in the URL, whatever browser you want to use, and head over to audibletrial.com slash spiceworldpod. And I don't think we could say thank you enough. I don't think we could say thank you enough. Thank you, Chum Overlords. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's get back to this. Oh, we left off at a pretty big point. Like, eh. Oh, man. All right, so... Yeah, it was a big cliffhanger. Yeah, it was a big cliffhanger, but we already mentioned, like, we, we breezed through that first bottle. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was a little too fast, but... For whatever reason, I noticed you brought a second bottle with you, Derek. Uh, Mike, you know, sometimes I know what's going to happen before it does. <laughs> it's almost like I'm fucking prescient. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, this one, another brute. We're just yep. we're just staying on point today. Oh, yeah. I wasn't creative. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a new one. It's uh, oh, this is no. a classic. Corbell California Champagne. It's yeah. a classic for you. I've never had yeah. this before, oh, you're actually. Re- oh, this is always like what I know of to be like accessible champagne brute of Me- like you get Corbell of uh, it's always around. Megan's all about the Prosecco, so that's what he, I usually pick up. Oh, okay. I mean, granted, this is only talking like I think uh, I'm thinking like high school graduation. <laughs> there, oh. there aren't many instances where we go for <laughs> champagne. All right, let's see your tasting notes. Uh, use caution under pressure. Do not shake. Never use a corkscrew to open. That's not a tasting note. <laughs> in, in, in 1882, three brothers, <laughs> Francis Joseph and Anton Corbell, established the Corbell Winery Ooh. in California's Russian River Valley. Since that. <clears throat> Since then, Corbell has been honored to become America's best-selling premium champagne. Light and crisp, with spicy fruit flavors, Corbell Brut is the perfect champagne to toast all of life's great moments, except it's in California, so it's not champagne. But, hey, Corbell, it tastes pretty fucking awesome. It is. It's got a, it's just like a little, I guess spice is the word for it. It's a little like a... a little spice? Yeah, Ooh. a little kick in the middle. But yeah. Compared to the last one. The last one was like a lot smoother, I guess is the word for now. Mm-hmm. If I was going to like compare them. This is really sharp. Um, I get more like apple flavors. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like it's a it's very it's like a sweet apple, like yeah. an apple honey. It's also darker, me. so it definitely looks kind of like uh, sexy apple juice. Ooh. Ooh. Well, with that, Mike, uh, I got nothing to transition, so let's get back <laughs> into it. <laughs> I don't know how Ooh, apples go. On dead the... drop. Let's go. Yep. Uh, uh, where where do we leave off? Uh, oh, uh, an almost bloodless victory. Oh, that's right. We just hijacked an entire fleet of ships for tribute week. Holy shit. So basically, now remember, we could fit the entire army is the Komen population. Mm-hmm. So the majority of the Komens are going. Um, <laughs> 
And I like it. It's a big communal event. Like yeah. we've been on this planet for so long. Everyone's going. So they went there. Uh, the Comans went to Richie's with nothing more than a successful revolution in mind. And then uh, what they found, Mike, was uh, the hospital director was simply a reflection of a state of society beyond their imagination. That's right. So wait, wait what did they find in Richie's? The degree to which machines controlled the population of Achis and had altered the emotional and intellectual characteristics of, an inhabit- of its inhabitants over the centuries was literally incredible to the Comans. Many of them have never entirely believed what they saw there. Wait, 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 okay, wait a second. We're looking, we're now on a planet, Mike. This is the world that's dominated by machines. The machines are literally influencing emotions. This and is the like the matrix on the outside. Mm-hmm. Okay, so wait a second. How long has uh, Comos been under Rachis? Don't know. I don't got a good time. Because if it's yeah. only been like, you know, a few no, decades, no, no. it's like, oh, wait no, a no. second. So again, we're approaching the threshold of before guild, after guild. You know that the Earth, our like, timeline is about mm-hmm. 10,000 years in the past. So I would give anywhere from like five to two thousand years of like almost being oh under Rishi's oppression. So oh man, and like well, and remember, Holtzman's whole story starts in seventy five hundred uh, before Guild. So then the abortion of Jean's child was like population control. Ah, uh, that could be. If, I mean, if we're gonna just speculate on what I mean, that, it is just what all speculation. that robot was doing, sure, that could be one of the motivations. Speculation off of a fanfic, yeah, <laughs> off of a novel. Baby. So, like, I don't onto know. a podcast, onto a podcast. <laughs> well, plans within plans. Exactly. Yeah. No, no, I think it's totally a possibility. I want you to entertain anything you can once we look at this oh, society. Okay. See, I thought that like maybe they were just premature and like, oh damn those robots. But like now, I'm I'm starting to feel it. This All is right, serious. Let, let me give you a little bit more to work yeah. with. Uh, we're gonna meet a doctor coming right up, and I All want right. you to like hear what he has to say. I think he'll color in some things for you. All right. Now, the revelations on Rachis produced a jihad coming here and seeing this robot control mm-hmm. people. Um, but it was not Jane who made that decision. The priestesses of Kubebe were the principal force behind the change which occurred in the ranks of the rebels. And we all know that the Kubebe priestesses are part of the Bene Gesserit. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to make a joke right there. Uh, Bebe is just such a funny thing. Uh, but yes, they <laughs> are. They basically, the high priestesses, all Bene Gesserit. Right. They might even be reverend mothers to that extent. Right, right, right. Oh and then God. otherwise, the priestesses are going to be like normal sisters to some uh, parallel. Now, um... They were motivated by their interrogations of the chief programmers and the scientists of Rachis, many of whom had been willing participants in the actions of the machines in altering the population of Rachis. So there's sort of like an upper echelon of people that are directly responsible for what's happened here. We've made these people, I mean, I don't get any um, direct descriptions, but it sounds like they're just almost lifeless husks of a human, right? Okay, that's just the impression I get. If you're if you're feeling anything else, by all means, spit it out. I mean, I was thinking North Korea, but I didn't want to say it. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Oh, okay, so you're just like completely indoctrinated, and like the truth is alien to them because they're so involved in this. Like, uh, I mean, they're not allowed to know anything else. Everything like, else yeah. is censored. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like it. And like, yeah. Ooh, like imagining a generation growing up without like a base education to work from, or like knowing how much. Or is out there exactly yeah, yeah. Like, like say you, your solar system not even like mm-hmm. we know there's this planet where we get food that's great we get to eat 
or maybe even that at best. But yeah, yeah, just you get to eat. Why yeah. even don't even worry about anything else? Keep moving that box or whatever the hell you do on receipt. <laughs> Keep cranking that crank. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> cranking the crank. Um. Now, perhaps the critical moment in these interrogations occurred during the questioning of Dr. G. Demlin by Chief Priestess of Comos. Dr. G. Demlin? Yeah, that's a doc. I don't know if that's a space name, but it's a good name. Okay, I'll give Demlin. Granted, it's a last name, so that could be anything, but... uh, Dr. Demlin? Dr. Demlin. Yeah, okay. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. It's almost, I feel like that's a Grey's Anatomy doctor. I, don't I know. was gonna say <laughs> it's like cheesy enough for the eighties, though, right? Doctor Sexy. <laughs> we'll call him Doctor Sexy. Okay, Doctor. <laughs> now the chief priestess is named Urania. So Urania. Urania. How does that make you feel? She's got a glow about her. Yeah, right. <laughs> ah, it, it makes it like I wouldn't fuck with this woman. <laughs> and I want you to envision Gaius Helen the whole way through. This is like Reverend Mother. Mm-hmm. This is the chief priestess of Comos. Okay. She's interrogating this doctor. Demlin was an especially arrogant and unrepentant man whose disdain Ooh. for his fellow man's intelligence was equaled only by his respect for his own. Kind of Holtzman-y. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, uh, Holtzman wasn't prideful. He was just, like, scared the shit out of everything around him. And his accident really is what, uh, like... The confinement in the bot sort of yeah. changed the whole game. No, nah, I, I wouldn't say Holtzman. That, yeah. that was a stretch. Holtzman was really just going to be I a... I want to draw a parallel. I got to tell you this. I didn't think of this until just now. We did that gurney, the racing gurney. Holtzman would have been the racing gurney if he got to keep going. Oh. He would have champagned those people. <laughs> uh, that just occurred to me. That was the course he was on up until I, his I'm accident. I'm surprised we missed that. That's low-hanging fruit. It that really was a while was. ago, yep. too. Yep. Uh, but... I think uh, there's some there's some parallel here, but the, so this man beyond so he he praises his own intelligence and that of his machines. Those are the only two things he respects in the universe. Oh, he respects the machines though, because they were a reflection of his. They're his creation in a way. Oh my you god, know? it's just, yeah. it, it's really just narcissism. So is he in charge of Richie's, or are the machines in charge of Richie's? Ah, Mike, I'm glad you bring that. So that is going to be something where Brian Herbert. When he gets control of the story, he does change it and really makes it like the robots enslave humanity. That's, oh. That's not the case in what the encyclopedia is going to set up for Oh, us. so we're getting some, like, big divergence. We, yeah, we basically, in this world, machines elevated over normal people. But humans were still parallel, or on par with those machines, if not above them. Okay. And basically, a small group of humans is controlling the entire population with machines. All right, so this is like the second major like Brian Herbert uh, fork in the road we found because the first one was with Minotaurus. Okay, yeah, yeah, and him kind of pulling all that out. Uh, right, right, right. I, mean, I guess I would consider uh, yeah, everything before Dune. He sort of like yeah went through and did it. He did some uh, renovations too. Okay, uh, I mean, I guess I'm not too upset about it because Frank never really went into detail about anything. He left him the opening. Yeah, <laughs> yep, plain and true, but. but let, yeah, okay. let me keep going with this because yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna hit Brian at the end of this. Oh, oh you got I, a little spiel? I want to talk about. I can't not uh, right, okay. with how different it is from sure. this. It's shocking. Um, so saying. Oh, I remember but, Richie's now. That was one of the the factions from the expansion you bought for the Dune board game. Yeah, we yeah. haven't played it yet. No, we haven't. So yeah, that gets added in. Uh, oh my god, are they robots? They kind of. They're ishk. 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 That's just a word I made up. Uh, <laughs> 
added some extra letters. It's an approximation. Uh, but it's a space-ish. Yeah. Uh, I don't like to introduce cyborgs, but again, this is going to be a Brian rant we're going to get to at the oh, end. Of the okay, story. okay, okay, all right. Um, so, as, uh, as is quite, we're going to talk about Dr. G. Demlin. Demlin. Uh, as his quite prideful and voluntary description of his work on Rotis droned on, Urania's feelings overcame her training, and her face began to betray her revulsion. For a Benny Jesuit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how tightly we can couch that, but probably about equal to where we want it to be. Well, I mean, even Jessica like has trouble like ten thousand years in the future. Assume the school wrote another book by then, like you know, there's a lot of time. Is all I want to say. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. um, now. Uh, um, Ultimately, even Demlin noticed her <laughs> fucking face. And he inter- You're getting really red right now, Uranus. Yeah. He interrupts a stream of self-congratulatory candor to ask, uh, hey, what's upsetting you? And um, Urania told him that his work violated fundamental priests. Wait, uh, did you say self-congratulatory candor? Yes. I was like, hey, good job, me. Doing okay? Yeah. You are yeah. right, bro? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. Which at least means he's not void of empathy. He can read some <laughs> For <expressions>. himself. <laughs> no, he looks at her, and he's seeing her so, like, distraught. I'm like, what's wrong? Uh, weren't we all just talking about how great I am? No, um, I, I just wonder if just, like, maybe he's, like, got a lot of insight, or maybe she's just like, about to blow up. <laughs> like, what? what's going on? I wonder. I think, she is a Betty Jesuit. I'm going to say column B. Okay, column uh, B. And we're going to get to, uh, yeah. So... He even notices, Arania tells him, like, his work violated fundamental principles uh, of respect for human life, not to mention the offense of the worship of the goddess. Oh, right. What was the goddess's name again? It was Kubebe? Kubebe. Kubebe. Yeah. She's the chief priestess of Kubebe. You're going against these very precepts. This is heresy. At the mention of the goddess, Dremlin exploded in a fit of honest and acid outrage. And in his fury, after suggesting that there there was more worth reverence in one of his machines than in the worship of a supposed goddess invented by a clutch of bubonic bumpkins on a pigsty of a planet demlin turned that's a stillgar insult we're not even at the insult yet what demlin turned towards the icon of kubebe and he goes to spit on it mike he hawks gets that loogie in his mouth right as he does it's not even worth it a flurry of robes on the side out of nowhere a knife comes out of the hand of urania (laughs) straight into his neck oh before he commit, could commit the act, Irania had killed him with her ceremonial knife. Oh, my God. Yeah, you don't spit on Kabebe. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a racket. No one puts Kabebe in a corner. <laughs> I just love that. Like, wow. Whoa. That's why she she's not like a big character in this whole story, but like she That's pretty that. intense. Pretty How cool. do you not remember that? Urania, like, yeah, hell yeah. What do you mean? How do I not remember? No, I mean, like, you said she's not a big part in this. Like, that's it. Like, whatever. That's probably not mentioned in the history. You want that, like, etched in Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this happened behind closed doors, man. This is is when we were uncovering things on our cheeks. Because this is basically, like... like I was going to say, this is like our Nuremberg trials. We're bringing each person on Richie's Ford that was responsible for this. Oh, my trying God. Trying to figure out what happened here. Because we don't know what happened when we got here. I'm just saying, like, we remember uh, mm-hmm. Jean Butler. Mm-hmm. Her name. 
I guess she died a martyr, and like that went on. But like, hey, Defender Kubebe, fucking <laughs> fuck. <laughs> that's fucking intense, man. Yeah, I hope she at least gets a spot in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Now. That night, the priestesses all met in council, and the next morning, Mike, jihad began to be preached to the faithful of Comos against the thinking machines and all who find their gods within them. Damn. Yeah, so if that's what you see as the future, you're gone. That's intense. That's sort of a broad mandate to do to yeah. establish a jihad. Now, uh, far from being eager for this, Jeanne argued against it. Her statements, insofar as we can construct them, seem to have anticipated much of what was to happen in the coming years. The growing ruthlessness of the Crusaders, the atrocities, the deaths of so many innocents. And this is uh, reminiscent of like what Paul was feeling. I'm, yeah, I'm getting some terrible purpose here. Some, uh, yeah, parallel yeah. vibes kind of happening. Now, hey, the- John, you're doing a great job. <laughs> Keep going, girl. <laughs> I told you to keep it going. I just mean, like, he's able to talk to the baby, though, too. (laughs) So, the priestesses were not deterred. It was not that they did not believe that these things might happen. Rather, they resolved on the jihad in spite of them. Mm. I'm just like, yeah, they saw that possibility, too. But, like, it was so offensive, everything that was happening on this planet. They thought it was worth it. And so... It's, I like that it's something where we're moving it out of a personal decision, and it's sort of like an institution is making this call. Yeah, it becomes like a political thing. Yeah, all of a sudden. yeah. It's like, and it should be, too. Like, this is a big decision to be made. Yeah, but, I mean, do you feel like they make the right one, then? If it should be made by, a, like, a group like that? I think I, I guess I kind of agree I mean, with you. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, that's just because, like, I'm kind of, like, suspicious of the Bene Gesserit. I've gotten a little thufier, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like to admit it, because I like the Bene Gesserit a lot. But, like, there's some shady shit going on there. <laughs> I don't like to tell them, but I got a little thufier in me. <laughs> Feels I, some witch vibes. <laughs> I call you guys witches whenever I hard get around. That's no, all I'm saying. I, I mean, like, the fact that the machines are doing this... Mm-hmm. And that, uh, what's his name? Uh, I think Denlin is just like, hey, this is great. That's what's worse, I think, is that people are doing this with machines. And that, mm. it, like, how Demlin, that was his god, right? Right, right, right. This perfection I can create. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's an anathema to them. So their horror before the discoveries of Rachis and the certainty that they would be duplicated on other planets, their deep-rooted outrage at the insult to their goddess and their religion, these made their minds firm. We're doing it. We're pulling this trigger. So too many analysis of the or uh, the origins of the jihad have ignored this motivation. The people of uh, Comos believed their religion. So too did Jean Butler. Mm-hmm. Uh, but her beliefs were tempered with mercy and foresight to a degree not true of the priestesses. Now Jean could not have been dislodged as the leader of the movement even if anyone had wished it. Because hers was the child that was sacrificed, more or less. Sarah, this lost child, is oh. the one. Like, it put like you can't take her out of the equation. She's always going to be at the forefront. And because of that, though, from the very moment uh, this jihad began and they started preaching that in the morning, there's going to be tension between the two groups. Because they're both, basically, all the priestesses and Jean are competing factions. But her influence is going to be so strong, PG uh, Butler's. 
And it, we're going to be very grateful that because she's going to just exercise temperament and restraint the whole way through. And I think most importantly, mercy. Uh, on the other side of this is Urania. She's like representing these the pieces. Head, oh man, she and, she wants to go a different course. I, we've seen how she deals with things, right. right? She can't control her temper to a degree. If we're going to use that one episode, which we have to, to like uh, read into her at all. Um, Urania, whose goal was the uh, extirpation of any hint of machine domination on of humans, and who was willing to sacrifice much and many to achieve it. So she wants them exterminated. Yeah, all through the slice, because uh, it's a risky to humanity as a whole. Mm-hmm. Now, ultimately, Mike, you wanted to know one thing about Jaheen Butler. Oh, Jaheen, I did it again. You wanted to know one thing about John Butler. Yeah, well, what was it? Um, I don't remember. Oh, well, the tension was resolved in favor of Arania on Carthagos. Carthagos? Yeah, this is going to be about 20 years after the war kicks off. How did she die? How did she die? So, the trans- Oh my God, is it a betrayal from Arania? No, 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 no. Oh. I don't even oh. entertain that possibility, Mike. I was just... I mean, you like no. hinted at it. No, 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 no. It just, so there was this tension because she dies. You know, the war gets out of hand. Mm-hmm. That's because of Arania. We're just, we're just illuminating all that. There's nothing crazy about oh, this. Okay. Death. Okay. 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 Right okay, okay. I just, you had me frightened there. I know. I saw it. I, I don't even want to I'm invested that. now. Arania is fine. She's okay. She's still. A I'm, I'm sure Ronnie is fine, but tell me about John. John, tell me, tell me about John and your homeworld, Derek. <laughs> tell me about the John of Cosmos. <laughs> so the transformation of the jihad after John's death has been discussed at length in the various histories of the movement. These discussions have focused upon the growing ruthlessness of the crusade, and in doing so, have failed to remark upon certain changes in tactic which bear directly upon the question of the nature of Jeanne's participation as leader. Now, before I get to the death, I have to entertain you a little historical uh, deviation. All right. Because, you know, the it's hard to piece together the history. So, basically, there's a little confusion as to, like, how involved was she in well, the is, war? This is several millennia beforehand, so... I'm sure there's a blank spot here. Right, right. There's, like, a... To- yeah, you want me to speculate? Of- you can, but I have an answer. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he did uh, refine this for So basically, yeah, actually, I don't think you can really speculate uh, <laughs> too far on this. Because, like, it's going to introduce stuff we haven't talked about really yet. Okay. But the thing they want to bring up here, so saying how the tactics are, you can, if you're analyzing the war, uh, like, post-Jane and before. Post-Jane? Yeah, I'm, I'm throwing anything <laughs> out there. What is Jean? Jean. Jean. Uh, Pojan or not, uh, you see a difference in the tactics and the casualty in numbers. That's critical here. Because, again, her mercy. They think she was directing the things to be more merciful and to take less casualties. Whereas, eventually, they just become a... It's a, it's a mongering war band. Right, right, right. Uh, almost mindless. So, certain characteristics of the plans of the fleet did not change after Jean's death. The various actions of the Horde, whether invading an entire planet or striking at an outpost, continued to show the effects of meticulous planning and brilliant staff work. So, like, they are, they are optimally primed and are great at what they do. Um, logistical support for 
all operations remained virtually flawless, and the timing and arrangements of often complicated maneuvers involving hundreds of vessels showed a degree of foresight and sound training seldom equaled in military history. So this ragtag band, over time, in this like first 20 years, is like a precision war machine going into this. A galactic precision war mm-hmm. machine. And they're like, they're just all on the same page. So they still have faster than light vehicles at this point. No. No. We, we've, we've, uh, we would have gotten... Well, I mean, the first thing they do is like they rip them from their own consoles, I bet. We're, we're going solo. Uh, we have to be going sub-light speed. Uh, How I don't, long does this take then? hundred years it's got to take more than that yeah and you think about it i think it takes more than that you, you have it catch fire though and eventually you have pirate bands that are again like i told you they were completely How do disconnected you communicate when you start taking out the communications though didn't you say they take out their uh their fucking moon base or whatever they took out centrans which was a computer you still have holtzman communication technology we can still do faster than light communication okay the problem with Centrans was that it was like an AI on a moon. Contacting. It was like, okay. Yeah. They, okay. They're not concerned about Holtzman. Like you, yeah, I think. Uh, Yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're dead on. They're not concerned about the Holtzman effect. <laughs> they are very concerned about Holtzman. The mad Holtzman as he's known at this point. <laughs> Is he known as the Mad Holtzman at this point in history? The Jihad is like at the very end of his life. It's oh, only 200 right. years. His that's lifespan right. is 3,000 years. That's right. He's like, I'll come back. It's like, no, you should have just like, you should have been there. <laughs> or just don't. Just yeah. like, yeah, peace out, bro. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll do all that at once. But I think um, you got to take the complex. I think they'd be fine with like your alarm clock over there. Mm-hmm. That I think is acceptable. Okay. There's nothing smart in there. It's a couple surgery. You could like basically. It's work. a pattern. You, I mean, like exactly. it doesn't deviate. It doesn't Input, change. Output. There's yeah. no interpretation in there. So I think that would be. Do fine. you think interpretation is the yeah. like definitive? I think that is where you get like a thinking machine is interpretation. Oh, something that can create something that doesn't rely on inputs. So then, what's the difference between that and a Servok? I don't know. Oh, well, I guess one thing is my, like, just the level of complexity. And basically what I wanted to build up using that as an example, mm-hmm. I don't, your computer might be fine. What? Well, like, Oh, compared to like what the future Yeah, holds. yeah, exactly. Oh. Compared oh, to an actual thinking machine. That, okay, your that, computer might be like, okay. It's pretty primitive, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's, it's the a, ones and zeros, really. It's a series of fancy algorithms oh. in a binary language. I'm not that concerned about that. <laughs> Quantum computing, whole nother story. Okay. okay. So, like, you see where I'm coming with? All I right, think the gotcha. basis of technology changes a little bit. So, I, I don't so, know exactly what to call it. So, the while they're on this jihad, they're still playing, like, Call of Duty in the background. Oh, for like, sure. Land parties and everything. That's how we practice. <laughs> That's how we got these timings. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. That's good. That's, That's good. a terrible place we've come to in this world. <laughs> But, so this is undermining that, like, yeah, they are really good at this one thing. And what this historian's trying to hit home is basically that because this keeps going after Jean passes away, mm-hmm. she couldn't have been the only variable making this happen. Right. And that's, that, is that why you call it uh, an event from the Benny Jesuit perspective? Revol- Ooh, not quite. I see you're reaching okay, for okay. it. I'm going for it. No. That was a good try. Yeah, yeah. The next line, though, is going to tear that away from you. And oh. I wish I had gotten before you. Okay. But a full analysis of the tactical history of the jihad will not support this argument. 
I love that the, the historian is like, yeah, hey, I took you down that road. Never mind. Like, read this book. Smack. <laughs> um, but I think it makes a really good point in how it does it. And this is where I'm going to come back to like uh, Jean and Thetter having a sort of Leto Jessica relationship. Okay. One of the prominent features of many of the operations of the fleet during the first two decades of the Jihad is best illustrated by the attack on Eledra. And this happened. Sorry, where? Eledra. 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 You gotta, I, you gotta roll that R a little bit. You I can't roll like, my R's. Oh, Mike, get the fuck out of Maine for a while. It's for, roll, wait for what? For rolling your R's. Learn <laughs> oh, to roll your oh, R's. Don't learn. I'm just like, what do you mean? We don't roll our R's in Maine. <laughs> exactly. We and we, we can anything, we remove the, the R's. Can't get that, that from my. Ass. I was gonna say, if anyone don't know, <laughs> if you want to have a Maine accent, you take A R and you replace it with A H. <laughs> Or just A. Oh, okay. Silent age, that's his face Sometimes just That's R. doing a little too much for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of the best things. We don't speak like that here in Portland. <laughs> just so anyone knows. Well, that would be our normal voices, because yeah. we are upstanding, <laughs> these, these uh, are civilized ra- These folk. are radio voices. These are podcast voices, Derek. These are, uh, we're very much Rashis over here, and it's almost up Noah. <laughs> oh, my God, what? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, we're kind of intellectually dumb. (laughs) Damn. Now, um, as I told you, Mike, uh, oh, yeah, the attack on Eledra in uh, uh, 199 BG. This is like the beginning of the war. This is one of the first um, assaults that Jean is actually involved in. Okay. And um, simply through the use of extraordinarily clever shifts in the disposition of their forces, the Crusaders forced the Eledrans to uh, abandon their moon and then to surrender their entire planet. The casualties were limited to two crews of just two scout vessels that attempted to run the planetary blockade just before capitulation occurred. How many people involves the, uh, the use of like one of those scout vessels? Uh, like, how big is that crew? Yeah, like, how many people are involved in this? We're saying, like, oh, we only lost, like, what, yeah, maybe, right. like, three or four hundred? That crew is scout. Or a planet? I'm, I'm just making this up. I'm going to say less than ten. Oh, my God. What? Prop- for a scout ship? I can't imagine it was too armed, and it was just making a run. Now, the heavier ships are going to have, like, thousands of people. Right, right, right. Like, the... That's... That's precise. Sure. And, I mean, I think even if you want to round that up to, like, a hundred, let's say there were 50 people on each ship. That's still amazingly small for conquering a planet. That is just like a scalpel-like invasion almost. Exactly. The operation has remained a textbook example of the distinction between the use of power and the use of force, as these terms are understood in strategic analysis. I really like that. Yeah, and that is her, like, that is where she's coming from. That's where she was at the beginning of the debate on this entire war, mm-hmm. right? And that's why we needed her influence and why I'm so glad she was the leader for that first 20 years. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Can you imagine if she wasn't? Exactly. What would the Imperium be like, even? Urania. Uh, well, <laughs> the, I, I would say the Imperium actually probably would have ended the same. The maybe the speed of the Jihad might have been increased. Oh, so you're on the side of events instead of people. Uh no no I'm I'm just saying outcome the outcome is gonna be the same with well the I'm jihad. just saying if you're saying that it doesn't matter if it was Urania or sure. Butler then yeah yeah maybe you're, you're right. pro revolt yeah as the more influential part sure yeah I mean at least for this uh yep particular but event again uh I'm not gonna separate myself and say that like 
the I think the distinction between how they would be executed is dramatically different, and that effect might be felt in terms of just how long it takes to get back to the Imperium. Maybe, but, but again, yeah, maybe, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm, no, I no. guess I'm just going to call I you am, out on what I heard. So I am events. No, no, you're right. Because I, I think even then, I'm just saying that the time would increase, but I think you still end up with the same place. Yeah. Okay. I, I just think it would have taken us maybe like a thousand years longer. Or you something are like Benny Gesserit at heart. That's why you can go to the library and check out their books. Yeah. Oh, I do got that card. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> so. You got a little red there in the face. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell. <laughs> I got a little Uranian. <laughs> Now, if we were to examine the history of the jihad up until the attack on Carthagos, which is going to be where we're leading up to, that's where we lost our Jean Butler, right? Um, we would see that this preference for the use of power over the use of force is at the heart of the planning of the whole jihad in every attack they take. That's Jean's stamp right there. Right. Exercising this sort of restraint. Restraining its mercy. Many Mm-hmm. Almost like logic before passion. Yeah, and like the end result being we're here for the machines, not for the people. Right. I think that is like... I mean, that is the big thing. Almost baseline for her. Wasn't it... Well, you told me on a, a previous deep dive about like the Mala pistols or something. We're like, hey, what's that? Okay. It's all right. For what? Like the weaponry or like the yeah, uh, yeah, like mills even. Getting past the... Uh, yeah. Oh, what do they call that? Um, I wanted to say like the prospects, the, the uh, prohibitions of the jihad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, those were like the closest you could get. Right. Uh, so we did we. What are you thinking? Did we actually go into how she died? <laughs> no, I haven't gotten there yet. Okay, you haven't. Because you left. keep saying like, and then she died. You're not telling me this, Mike. I if, you if this were... isn't a satisfying climax, I'm going to be very upset. Uh, well, using that word might be questionable <laughs> at post post gamut. Um... <laughs> God damn it. Okay. <laughs> um. No, so right now, um, I got to just walk you through this last bit to, one, tell you about her marriage. Okay. And that's going to line up with these battle tactics. Wait, Butler? Yep. With Thetter? Yep. Okay. It's going to line up with how these battle tactics differ before and after. All right, all right. Because ultimately, this historian said they changed once she died. And again, I have to approach that before we get to her death, because her death is going to be sort of the end of her story. Oh, God. But the reason they say it didn't change is that her husband is the one who stays on. He is still commander. So we're asking ourselves right now, who was the battle commander? Was it Jean Butler or was it Thetter Butler? And if we look at these um, movements and stuff, we're seeing Jean is the only reason the uh, army exercises restraint and stuff. That is her contribution. The timing and the perfection of the military, that is Thetter's contribution. But once she was gone, they still, their timing is still precise. We're still doing everything great. But that casualty rate is gone. I mean, he's and a strat. That, he doesn't have control over himself like uh, the Benny Desert might. He wasn't, he, he wasn't, they don't even, uh, that actually, oh, I don't want to take that away because they don't tell me it's not that. And right, right, we, right. we don't sit down with that or see how we see it. I think that's an insightful maybe take to take on of like, maybe, ooh. Oh, let me get to that right to finish this one <laughs> off. Okay, I'm gonna dive in. Okay. I, yeah, you got me Ooh, all kinds of things to move right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, rather than crushing opponents um, by the overwhelming application of force of the vessels and troops of the jihad fleet, the threat of such an attack was used to compel surrender of the enemy. Intelligent use of power treats force as a tool best used when it remains implicit. 
Uh, this ends up reminding me Mike, of a Roosevelt saying uh, okay. after, I think it was after World War II, where he said, uh, speak softly and carry a big stick was his big. It sounds super familiar to me. The way. Does he, it have something to do with bears? I don't know. I just think. No, no. He was I just not, think Roosevelt and bears. I'm sorry. Yep. Yep. I believe you do. Uh, <laughs> no, but this was the idea. Um, the way he exercised this and showed it to the world. Yeah. We painted our entire Navy white and we just sailed our fucking baller Navy around the world. And we're like, look at our boats. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I said this is World War. You said world speak war. softly, right? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds Carry pretty loud. a big stick. Okay. That's the big stick. The big but... stick would be the gun on the no, boat. The big stick or the care. Yeah. Yeah. That is the gun on the boat. The speak softly is when I show up and I go, look at my boats. And then we sail no, by. No, you said, look at my boats. You didn't say, look at my boats. No, but that's the big, that's the gun doing the talking. I carry the loud, the loud part. <laughs> Oh, you talk with the gun. I speak softly. I carry the gun. I see you. As, I see you, Richie's. Yeah. I yeah. see you. That, yeah. Isn't that also it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is the whole Richie's model of just like, yeah, we have this big army. Uh, food, please. And the comments were like, yeah. Well, they, I guess they, we gotta. They got that big army. Huh. Uh, so it's interesting. Teddy, I don't know how I feel. It's interesting ultimately how... Jean just replicates what the Richies were doing to the Comans. I gotta be honest, like, who wrote this specific article in the encyclopedia? Is it credited to any specific author, or? Uh, we can get to that right at the end. Okay, I got, I okay. got a little author somewhere. Not, not just, author, like, the fictional authors, like, the actual No, author. no, you want the professor that Yeah, no, I'm Ooh. curious. Okay, I don't have any background. I can get the name, but that's probably not the gonna The name be is all I need. Okay, we'll pull you out a name at the very end. All right. Ending on this note, uh, one superior strength is used not to obliterate an enemy, but to force surrender, ideally without battle. While this ideal was only approached in the campaign off Ilerda, many of the actions of the jihad through the early years showed this principle in their conception. So, like, we only pulled this one plan off, like, really flawlessly this one time, and we're like, holy shit, that worked. But in every action we took from that point on, Mike, we tried to put this plan in motion again. And again, that's going to be Jean having her influence on the crusade and this jihad and be like, mercy. That's what needs to be part of this. Otherwise, we're no better than the machines. Now, the attack on Thalpis in 196 before Wait, what's guild. it called? Thapis. Thapis? Thapis. Thapis. Thapsis. Thapsis. I got an extra S in there. See, this is why I ask. There's more letters every time you ask me. (laughs) Thapsis. Thapsii. Whoa. (laughs) Woo. And uh, against Parlon in 191. Uh, So he's about five years apart. And again, like 10 years before uh, we really kick things off. Or no, 10 years after we kick things off. I'm sorry, because it was in 200. We're counting down in the years. That trips me up every now and then. Um... The combined casualties of the jihad forces in these actions could not have exceeded 10,000 and may have been considerably lower. And so that's the conquest of two planets. We did not under exceed 10,000? Under 10,000. That sounds like that's a lot of people. They're but doing like, very I mean, okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. We're scaling, okay. we're scaling shit considerably. Planet wise, though. Planet, yes. I mean, like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just like. Sound merciless, but that that's a very small number. No, you think if you crash like one capital ship, if it crashed on that planet, it would probably cause like a catastrophic event, right? Yeah. Like worthy of a meteoroid interacting. So I think we're good. 10,000. I'll take it. Now, indeed, Jean's military career began and ended with operations of this sort. The attack on Carthagos. 
the place you want to go so bad. Yeah. I'm like, this is like Doctor Who when they keep telling you where he's going to die. But I'm like, not till the season finale, buddy. Son of a bitch. <laughs> yep. Um, Carthagos presented the same tactical situation as had that on Alerta and was already unfolding along identical lines. It was going to be a perfect mission, Mike. Okay. So, the Sarah 3 was leading a maneuver designed the to place... The Sarah 3! Yeah! Oh, that's so... That's tragic. Oh, my God! That hurts me! On so many levels, if you unpack oh that. Oh, my God! That also means we lost the Sarah 1 and the Sarah 2. Don't, maybe oh, they I were, didn't even think about that! <laughs> yeah, maybe they were retired, Mike, but it's only been 20 years. I oh. think we lost them. So... Jean is on the Sarah 3. Thetter is not with her. She is commanding the forces solo. We're all, it's going flawlessly. This whole planet is going to have to um, give up and surrender because we've done this plan before. And honestly, it's been about 20 years since we've pulled it off as perfectly as we did on Alerta. Mm -hmm. But with Carthagos is no Alerta. Now, we're, um, we're trying to maneuver these forces to uh, get everyone that's defending the moon to basically retreat back to the planet. That was that first step on Alert, mm -hmm. right? That got us in the place. And um, once the Cathargans were isolated on their planet, blockade would have produced the same results as on Alerta. Surrender. The extinction of the planet's population resulted from the flagship's encounter with an undetected mine. So the Sarah three oh, no. just hit a mine. It's happenstance. It's you know what it is. It's accident and error. The only two things you can count on in the universe. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Kinds. <clears throat> we lose the Sarah three. The uh, resulting like fury. There's a tidal wave of rage that swept the fleet. They destroyed the entire population of the planet. They're, oh my god, they're what? Infuriated. They're, so after only 10,000 losses total. Those were those are two other planets. Yeah. On two planets, they completely eviscerate this one planet because they took their leader. Once they learned oh there's this my like god. this is definitely Lado. Like uh that that once he they tried to take the life of my son. <laughs> yeah. That Lado. Well, no, like I mean like this is the uh this is the Superimposed skull shrine. Mm -hmm. This is the. Well, I would say this is the like. This is the event that she is the skull shrine. Like yeah. her name. Yeah, but in the same sense of like that's what Paul doesn't want to happen in a way, because that skull shrine meant the jihad happened and right. all this stuff. Like yeah. a new jihad. Yeah, her death is gonna be like uh, it in it riles them up. It makes them all angry. That's the thing she never wanted. Right. Mm -hmm. She always kept them on like such a tight mission parameter where they went right now they're unleashed the jihad is out of her control it's going to be completely within Iran's die though why well like he's worried about them being like this unstoppable force upon the galaxy he sees this jihad this mm -hmm. like superimposed thing if it's unstoppable and this tragic it's because there's no leadership to sort of temper them is paul going to fucking die do you think uh, they would do such a direct parallel? Yes! Because this was <laughs> written after four books! Because these guys aren't inventive as shit! Ah! Well, Mike, we'll get back to that at the end of book three. Are now, you kidding me? No, I'm not going to... Am I kidding? You think I'm going to answer that question? Is that a real question? Shut the fuck up. I just want to know. 
Mike, I finally tell you how she dies, and now you just have more questions. You can't be happy with questions anything. Questions within questions within questions. <laughs> just be happy you got one answer. Okay. And take. okay. <laughs> I will never tell you Jack shit. Can't pour my wine and drink it too? What are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> oh, my God. So, thus... The last operation Jean directed bore the char- this characteristic stamp, and so too did the first. The ravaging effect, uh, effects of war on Regis have obscured the fundamental nature of the plan which the Comans followed. Like, she gets lost in time a little bit, right? Her, her whole myth is diluted in just, like, uh, How an- did the historian, like, compile this even? Uh, it's got to be okay. Benny Gesserit stuff. No. no. Wait, she didn't have any more kids, did she? She did not. You she, wait, no, but we just learned you don't necessarily have kids to uh, transfer. Yeah, she would need to have a kid. She, really? she wasn't a reverend mother. She didn't go down the priestess oh, track. That's her, right. She was taken off of it. Her memory is not in any track oh, line. Oh, my God. Uh, she has no progeny whatsoever. I wonder how different the world would be if they did have that memory thousands of years ago. Well, not even thousands, even just to be able to go back to it now. I mean, go back to it now, but like, because I'm pretty sure, well, no, yeah, I'm pretty sure it would be uh, literally that, that singular memory is lost to all humanity. That's ridiculous. Because like, you can't back away to her and she has no line coming from her. She must be gone. That's wild Mm. for how much the Bene Gesserit can recover. Right. Um, But. We are able to, in the future, via the God Emperor, reach back to this time and through contemporaries confirm all of this reality. That's what the Rackus Horde is. The Rackus Horde is left by the God Emperor. It, I want to know more about this Rackus Horde. Keep keep reading, bro. Uh, um, <laughs> books, books away, Mike. It's so far. Um, all right, all right, all right. But the whole point being the God Emperor, though, he uh, he has de facto rights to all fact. It was sort of like Frank Herbert being like, if I need to change anything here, I put the God Emperor in the story. If I need to change anything in the encyclopedia, I put that little page it's in like the It's like a heist flashback to the planning stage. Exactly. <laughs> like, by he, the way, we had this right here for this very he, moment. And uh, he just basically, all of his powers are essentially magical to the extent that they are. That, is that why they call him God Emperor? Yeah, yeah. But again, Frank will rationalize it out when you and I get there. Okay. We'll be able to talk about it. It'll be great. But just assume that God Emperor can just do whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> Because uh, he tends to. God Emperor doesn't sound that different from Potty Shy Emperor. <laughs> no. It's pretty much the same thing, right? Uh, I God mean, Emperor King be up boss man? Right, right. Yeah. He, if anything, he dropped the title. Master King Emperor. God Emperor. We ever have a... Uh, what do you think? Like God Empress? Um, or like uh, Empress of the Imperium? Um, Just curious. I mean, like, I guess... Uh, I, I believe the god emperor is gender neutral by the time we meet him. Oh my god, is it Fenring? <laughs> Might as well be. Uh, no, his balls are just gone. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mike, much like I can tell you the Fremen have orgies <laughs> in the rooms, I get in a straight face tell you his balls are gone, and you just have to deal with that however Wait, you Fenring will. Fenring or the god emperor? Uh, no, Fenring has his balls. He's a genetic eunuch. Okay. I think that just means he can't procreate. 
in that he could. I, I guess I, I assume he still I don't has, understand the definition. I assume well he still has testicles. It's just to get into the nitty gritty of this, of my favorite character. <laughs> oh God! May I continue? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, back into this. Where did we leave? <laughs> uh, yes, the fundamental uh, nature of the plan which the Comans followed. Mercy. Now. But if one considers the situation on Rochis within two days of the arrival of the tribute fleet, the tactical position of the Comans versus the forces of the Rochis shows the same sensitivity to the use of force and power. In only three standard days, virtually the entire population of Comos had been transported to Rochis. Now again, going all the way back, we said they all were going. Everybody on? We're heading over. Yeah, yeah. We did it. And the Rachisan Navy had been captured by the Comans. The army of Rachis was faced with the prospect of a war with an opponent several million strong on their own territory while they were in control of the space vessels. Under what do you do? Well, Mike, under such circumstances, in spite of the far greater size of the Rachisan army, the prospects for victory were extremely limited. So they just were like, we give up. <laughs> Wait, what? That's a tactical, they looked at everything and they're like, we can either fight you for eons and maybe get nowhere, or we could just be like, we're Wait, good. Are we talking about the Rachis or the Jihad? The Rachis. Just the Rachis. Oh. Just the first plan. I thought it was the Jihad. Like, they did not no, just stop no, there. No, no, what? <laughs> no, we're kind of reflecting back just to hit home of how. They're like, oh, we started to get in. Just kidding, blow up. <laughs> yeah. From the very beginning, though, because that was the first action right. Jean was in, in uh, there. But besides Eledra, like, she exercised that mercy. They showed up, they exercised an amazing plan, and the Richies were just like, there's no point. Like, we. Well, I mean, like, okay, part of part of the thing here, though, the population of Richies, they're just sort of subjugant to the machines in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the machines created by Dr. Denlin? Yes, excellent. Okay, so, and Denlin's gone. Uh, well, maybe not created by, but he definitely, like... Influenced. Cre- yeah, or is at least programming le- currently. Yeah. But, like, I think they've been here for a couple thousand years. I mean, probably, yeah, yeah. but, like... He's at the pinnacle of their current creation. I mean, logically, for I mean, they made... I mean, again, I don't think there's any sort of malicious intent behind them. Because mm-hmm. I just don't think there's any empathy. They don't understand. So, I think, logistically, they're like, yeah, that like, makes sense. We're going to surrender. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. For that, that's what I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just so much loss would be incurred yeah. of like we doesn't make sense to continue. We surrender exactly. Even and that means the removal of the machines. The people in power probably still stay in power. And Are there honest, people in power, Mike? I know what happens to the people of Rachis. Oh, that's going to be our little epilogue here. Okay. Let's continue on with uh, this legacy. I of, thought this uh, was going to be like an hour episode with like a single bottle. We laugh and cheer. I'm uh, almost uh, on the verge uh, of tears with the Sarah three <laughs> blowing up. Oh my God. This, that was tragic. That was awful. Are you glad I made you build for that? I didn't, you just, you didn't just give that to you. You. <laughs> you had to learn. You had to appreciate Sarah for her, her sacrifice. Yeah. Now, the pattern is clear, Mike. From her first battle to her last, the actions of Jean Butler uh, participated in bear an unmistakable imprint. These are battles planned and led by a tactical genius whose concern for the lives of her soldiers and of her enemies is the dominant element. Concern for your enemies. I think that is what it comes down to. That's very Butler. Mm-hmm. Now, and in spite of that fact that... Uh, oh, my God. What? Found my new pider. That's so butler. <laughs> <laughs> and I already killed that puppy. You're willing to hold on to this one? 
Now, in spite of the fact that Fetter survived his wife uh, after the disaster of Carthagos, the stamp disappears from the campaigns of the Jihad. So that's where the historian was saying, like, even if you look at this, like, this is what's gone. Their precision is still there, but that empathy just gone from their planning mm. now. As noted, though, the staff work retained its characteristic level of efficiency. This should not be surprising, for Thetter continued as chief of staff for the Jihad. And he had those administrative abilities. MBAs. That's what I've learned about the future. I have just been in the wrong field my entire life. I'm starting to think this is where the Bene Gesserit found out about MBAs. And then they brought it into their whole <laughs> curriculum. I'm like, oh, oh God, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, though. Yeah. Now, we did seek out new generals, and within the next few years, several different individuals led the crusade. But the execution of their plans remained in the same superbly capable hands. Our fucking chief of staff. We're going to let that or do this. He's so good. Ooh. And basically, everyone learns from him. He sets the standard. Like, this is just something yeah. he can do. Logistics oh were his bread and butter. Now, the arguments which oppose this view are not founded upon examination of the evidence of the events of the jihad. Rather, they base themselves upon certain assertions regarding the inability of women, or of women to lead such a force as a jihad, or to plan such action as the attacks on Rachis and Alerdra. Okay. This is, this is our historian basically being like, some people are just ignorant towards women. And yeah, apparently. This is basically, I think, someone talking to their time. Uh, <laughs> and I hope it was a woman that wrote this. We're going to figure out who it was at the very end. But they go on of like, uh, these arguments have in common their ignorance of the society of Comos and the position of women in it. And we yeah! basically, be, yeah, we're going to paint them. Oh, yeah. Unlike many societies that of Comos had for centuries granted to women an especially important function, one not bounded by the home and the hearth. One refers, of course, to the maintenance of the religious well-being of the people. Not only was the worship of the chief deity of the planet in the hands of women, but the sacred life of the family, which was the center of common society, was the charge of the woman, of the family. Hitting it home. They are there. The males controlled the life of the farm and of the ranch, and the land was passed on through the male line, but the woman saw to the religious health of the family a power which, to the common way of thinking, involved nothing less than the survival of the family. So, like, there's a degree of importance there. Yeah, just, yeah. A, just a little, a little, little bit, a little, little bit. bit. And uh, the point of this should be obvious. The Comans were used to following the leadership of the women of their society, especially when matters of religion were involved. This was the case with the rebellion, which began because of the abortions performed by the hospital director and which struck directly at a religious issue, the survival of the family line. Because you want, yeah, you're eliminating the progeny of this. So once the movement had spread to Rachis, the religious basis expanded. The actions of the machines were seen by the priestesses and by the Comans as an affront, not only to the principles of humanity, but also to their goddess, Kubebe. Kubebe! <laughs> She's come back! Hey, Kubebe. Um... I don't know why I love that so much. Isn't it good? It's something about it. Um, It was the priestesses who first preached jihad. Indeed, had there been no religious basis for the movement, it would have been, by definition, not a jihad. And for the Comans, religious matters necessarily involved leadership of women. Like, it's just so bound together. Like, if it's going to be a religious thing, 
we're going to have a woman in charge. That's just the way Komen's roll. I and mean, do you think that, and part of this, maybe why the Benny Gesserit had this in mind going forward, um, to establish this precedent? What, wait, what do you mean? Of like, in the, getting this culture to be prominent in the war? I mean, it, I mean, it already was on... I guess what I would say ultimately follow up is that the historian is telling us this is what's sort of lost to time. Oh, is that people? Oh, so this don't is all remember. speculative by the fictional narrator. Yeah, yeah. Rather, well, no, it's confirmed by the narrator, but he's telling us history forgot this aspect of their society. Okay, history forgot why women are important to the Comans. Oh, why John was put in that position. Okay, history okay. has sort of forgotten this, and at some point there is sort of like um just douchebag male historians who have, like, uh, pushed the females aside. That sounds pretty familiar. Pretty on par with Mm. history. So, um, we should not be surprised, then, if uh, the leadership of this Coleman crusade had not been female. These points, which should have uh, transparently simple, have been obscured by the sociosexual biases of most of those who have approached the problem uh, posed by the leadership of the jihad. All right, I want to say I understood that, but I've been drinking a lot this morning, so like, uh, give me one more time. These points, which should have been transparently simple, so... Fucking obvious, Mike. It's written in neon lights. (laughs) How do you not see this? Have been obscured by the sociosexual biases of most of those who have approached the problem. So most of the male historians that have come in and been like, well, surely a man did this. Uh, Excuse me. Excuse me, ma'am. Step aside. Um, uh, Religious. And knife to the throat. (laughs) (laughs) Ceremonial knife. (laughs) Oh, you're on Arania's <laughs> side now. You've, you've really seen the light. Um, one must hasten to add uh, that by no means all of these scholars are male. So they're even oh. including that sometimes women throw other women under the bus. Okay. That, that was, that was, I'm, I'm, I don't know. That, I feel like that was on point for like hitting that question. Like, what about this? Exactly. Now, the, consecrate, the concentration upon the matter of sex and the leadership of the jihad has also distracted attention from other more important, more important questions. So we uh, find people asking, like, why a woman? When this historian proposes, uh, maybe we should ask, why this woman? Yeah. Why did she succeed? Hell yes. Hell yes. Well, like the answer to these questions must be sought within Jean herself and within her society. Now, the simplest answer to the question, why this woman, is, of course, that it was her child who was murdered. Right, right, right. That was the spark. Mm-hmm. But this is obviously inadequate. Uh, these abortions had been going on for two years to that point. But Jeanne was the first we know of to suspect the hospital and to act on that suspicion. She was uniquely hmm. in a pl- in a place to investigate. Because she was Bene Gesserit. No, uh, married to the Logistos. Oh, to inspect it further. To inspect mean. it. But, yeah. I, it, I mean, to, I kinda, I kind of both. It was a perfect storm. Yeah, moving back even further to suspect the problem. Right. Bene Gesserit, right? To even question the uh, robots in this mm-hmm. hospital. Now, uh, there may have been others, but Jeanne is the one we know of because she succeeded. Thus stated, the matter of the death of Sarah Butler is placed in perspective. It was the motivation for Jeanne and Theder, but it was not the reason for their success. It was a spark. That's not why they were great at what they did, though. And this is sort of a person and moment coming into co- coalition again. 
Their rebellion, which produced a jihad, the secret of her leadership. Uh, those are to be found in the combination of the social characteristics of Comos and the character of Jean Butler. That is the beauty. That's really good. She needed everything had to come together to make this person to be at this time. Again, I'm just getting these like Paul vibes right now. Like perfect place, perfect time, perfect person. That was very much how Irulan yeah. set us all up in the beginning, right? And even then we changed. We had to remember his planet. We yeah. changed it in the histories. I oh man! So how far? Oh, sorry, let me think. Uh, yeah. How far back was this from Paul's birth or Paul's like uh, ascension into like I am the Lisan Al Gaib? Uh, one hundred and two hundred ninety-one years. So, like a, uh, I'm sorry, ten thousand two hundred one. Yeah, ten thousand two hundred ninety-one years. All right, so about. I said 100 and 100. Yeah. So 10,000, because it's one, 1091 is the year. Okay, yeah, yeah. And we're just going to add an extra 100 onto that to go okay. before yield. So, woo, boom. So I wonder if you, like, went back further every, like, 10,000 years. This is, like, a re reoccurring thing, or is this just, like, hey, these two people at this interval happened? Just uh, out of curiosity. Wait, I mean, like, the, I mean, what are you calling the reoccurring thing? Like, throwing the mantle of machinery that's oppressing us? No, no, no. I mean, like, we don't do that now with Paul. I wouldn't say that. Just that, like, there's sort of a, uh, this paradigm shift of, like, something changes that uh, influences the entire macro as a whole. Um, Something to... I don't know. I don't know. I'm just wondering if that's something you might be, be able to predict. Because, like, this I, is a huge sample no, no, size yeah. as far as time goes. You can draw one between her... Between John Butler and Paul, I think that's kind of fair. But Paul, actually, I'm sorry, John is not even the one we, I think we need to look at. I think it's someone else that comes a little later. Okay. That is like that big catalyst. It's tough to pin down. But yeah, I, I would say like every 10,000 years, Frank uh, flips the table a little bit on. I mean, uh, I'm just going by these two events. I have no idea what yeah, happens before yeah, no, or happens no. after, but I'm curious. Yeah, and I, I got nothing before. You and I went through that timeline well, as hey, best we could. What about so. after? After I got after, oh, I got after, I got such. Yeah, sweet what do you after. got? Uh, the scattering. Wait, what, what's what do the you scattering? got? I'm not gonna answer fucking. God damn! <laughs> I'll tell you the answer, Mike. I'm not gonna explain myself to you. I don't owe oh, you shit. Oh God, what have I done? I just want to know what the scattering is now. <laughs> you oh, <laughs> Pandora's box should be closed. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta keep going though, Mike. All right, go go go. Okay, now. Uh, one has only to remember the descriptions of Jean's presence and its effect on others. Her personality seems to have had such a strong impact on those she encountered that it could be felt physically. Many compared meeting her to the first time to the sensation of being struck. But, oh. Just like slap in the face. Just like that moment of shock yeah, and like pause. The emotions produced in others were uh, not those associated with fear, however. The words most often used to describe her presence asserted a combination of compassion and intelligence so great as to produce what one observer in a phrase later known to billions saw as a living flame of a woman. Ooh, yeah! Hell yeah! Oh my God, yes! That's John Butler. Um, but this was not fire as a devourer. 
It was fi- it was flame as the beacon, the guide. This flame led the crusade for 20 years. When it died, the jihad became the flame itself, and this would be the fire of destruction. That's a good metaphor. Oh my god! So okay, I'm still. I'm she. She is like the carefully burning candle that illuminates the room. This doesn't exist for no reason. I am still gonna go back to the parallel. What if Paul dies? What is gonna happen on Arrakis? I can only point you to the one thought he had in the Turano Basin. There was only one moment he had to end the job. He had to kill himself. His mother, his unborn sister, and every Fremen in that. Oh my god! Not one word of their life could make it out of that basin. Mm. But it did. Now, two points remain to be made. And this is back talking about Butler and the topic at hand. (laughs) First of all, no matter how unusual a person Jean might have been, the genesis of success of the Jihad are non explainable solely by reference to any individual. And reviewing yourself, or um, again going back to revolt, not uh, Butler. Uh, oh, the event, not the person. Sure, sure. Uh, especially this historian. Yeah, like I, I, they keep saying, like we don't know for sure if it was one or the other. They say, like we know for sure now it's the person, but they keep saying it's the event. Yeah, I just think that's really weird. Well. I would say that Paul and the God Emperor ended the debate about whether it's a person or event. I think certain cases, maybe. I mean, okay, maybe sure, but like, I just think it's weird. Like, you're, it's, it feels wishy-washy. Sure, sure, sure. He's playing. He's playing to both sides. I'm going to be devil's advocate here. I'm just like, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> where do they stand on this? So, um, even such a person as Jean could not have led a successful crusade of this sort had it not been for the peculiar combination of conditions offered by the planet of Comos and its relation to Rachis. How many such rebellions, led perhaps by men or women as unusual as Jean? failed for lack of circumstances that produced the agar for rebellion that obtained on Kamos. We shall never know, for they did fail. And even the folk memory of God Emperor cannot rescue them from I'm sorry, the what? The folk memory of God Emperor cannot rescue them from dive. I told you, he he knows everything. He left us everything. Who is this dude? Some dude. (laughs) (laughs) Four books? Uh, we only got to do three. Three? <laughs> if you count Dune, is done. We got to do oh. Messiah, Children, God. And Mike, oh, actually, God. as soon as we crack open God, I can tell you who God is. Page one. We can have that talk. If Wait, you're... what? So we only do Messiah and Children, and we can have that talk. Oh, God damn it. That's really not that bad. All right. <laughs> For how dead, like this is it was two thousand years. It's only a couple of books, Mike. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? God damn it! Okay, okay. Um, now this is not to deny Jean Herdu, because again, wishy washy. Now <laughs> we're washing back okay, to all right, the other all right, side. All right. Nothing can deny her that she is the equal of Jessica, the mother of Paul <gasps> Moadib, in her effect on human history. And this comparison brings us to our second and final point. Both of these women, for the most uh, intense of personal reasons, defied their order, the Bene Gesserit. To please her duke, out of her love for him, Jessica bore a son rather than the daughter she had been enjoined. Out of the grief for her dead daughter, Jeanne embarked upon a rebellion which she 
which she proposed to lead. This violated one of the most ancient of Bene Gesserit prescriptions. I would argue that the rest of the priestesses were on board for that, though. We're going to get there. Uh, this violated one of the most ancient of Bene Gesserit prescriptions. That against the public involvement of their members as, a, as social leaders of any sort. Okay, wait a second. How old is Bene Gesserit again? Because I thought they were like about the same time as the formation of the guild. No, no, they were at They're that older. meeting. Yep. I, I I, don't know where to ballpark them for you. Oh, They've God. been around since Rossick at I, some point. You know what? I, but remember, I'm just going to take Sean the Dark. Maybe even fucking Terra. Sure. Well, they, I don't know. They had, to, they had to get to the drug on Rossack. Oh, that's right. Because they were like, oh, what's this language? Yeah, but okay. remember, we did the Zen Sunni uh, wandering, right, and that right. was in like the 75s, 8,000s, and that brought us to an already like sorceresses on Rossack kind of world. So open ended. But they've been around for at least, um, ooh, probably at least 4,000 years at this point. Ooh. I think they're pretty established. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Whether, it might be one of the oldest, like, established organizations then in yeah. current oh, period. Oh, certainly. A continu continuous uh, yeah, organization. Which, would, I guess, makes sense considering, like, how they handle things. And mm -hmm. It's, like, very secretive. They want to be They're like shadows. They're very much like uh, the Masons. Mm-hmm. space! So, I like the space Masons! Uh, <laughs> I like They just don't want to be leaders of any sort. That's a good one. <laughs> now, the dangers of exposure of the order under these circumstances were manifest, yet Jean persisted. After Rachis, with the launching of the Jihad, the exposure of the order became a virtual certainty. Uh, but by then, all the priestesses of Comos were also involved. So that it's yeah, okay. like, okay, at okay. that point, that sister, it's personal. Well, the sisterhood like, was like, you guys really took the choice out of our hands. We're going to be exposed right. now because of you. They or they did it without their concern, yeah. like all of them. Twice in the history of the order, then, the severest strictures of the Bene Gesserit have been violated by one of their own sisterhood. Pause. I'm going to say more than twice. Uh, Margaret also <laughs> broke that. i sure every Benny Gesserit gets like a free pass once. Yeah. <laughs> that they, then like, they do like, you know when you tie a string and you drop that coin in the vending machine? They always get it back. Yeah. <laughs> do it again. How many Benny Gesserit do you think there have been within the lifetime of the Imperium? Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know. Infinite? Like, yeah, no, I'm just like, that's how many free passes they get okay, as an organization. Okay, okay. And it's like, that's a lot of free passes. Yeah, I want to answer in like an exponential <laughs> Something to the millionth power. It's an absurd amount. It's of an absurd amount. Yeah. It would have seemed... Uh, it would seem that even the most compelling uh, program of education and motivation ever devised, that of the Pena Jesuit, is not enough to completely extinguish the independence of mankind. That's Ooh, a good place to land. I like right? that. That's a solid uh, reason. That gives for me it. hope too for Paul. His final line in this article, Mike. <gasps> Wait, well, we're at the end of this article. Our history has taught us to be thankful for this. Oh, what does that mean it. after the fourth book? <laughs> no, but I thought to think about it in terms of that because that's when this is written. Yep, yep, yep. Well, no, I think no, because no, no, it's no. part of the Arrakis Horde, so it was written previously, right? But he's writing as just an appreciation. I think of I would say don't read too far into that. Oh, okay. I'm telling you, as Derek, of like I think it's just to appreciate macro history. Okay, don't imply whoever wrote this had like a great time doing it. I can oh, tell. definitely, yeah. right? That was a really fun one. Now I got to bring you to my final epilogue. Uh, cause Mike, you want to know what happens to the Rachisians, don't you? 
Yeah. What went down on that planet when Jean left? We all went and did the jihad. Something fucking happened. You mean something happened? Well, oh, I didn't. Wait, I didn't tell you this little bit, Mike. Uh, you know Comos by another name. I do. You do, because you read it when you uh, read off the explanation stop, of Rachis. Stop, stop. Yeah. Wait, what did I fucking... Wait, go, ah, go, ooh, to, ooh, yeah, ooh. go to Rachis ooh. in the glossary. I, I can't believe you did I thought I blew this in the beginning. No, wait, what? I just was like, keep going, Derek. Keep going. Keep your head down. <laughs> don't, don't look at him. Don't make eye contact. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> but when you read that definition, it told you a very important information. Because I told you Comos was the ninth planet in uh, Arandi A. Yeah, Comos was the... <gasps> <laughs> yes, Mike? What do you got? Wait, Comos is X? Comos is X. Now, what? And in your definition, Mike, Rachis is subjugated by X. Oh, my God. Rachis is the manufacturing front-facing world for the Ixian Empire. They're not an empire, but I want to give them some credence here. Mike, let's go back to the beginning of the Jihad. Two years in. The year is 198 before Gales. Uh, with the Jihad about to leave Rachis for the far reaches of the galaxy, Jean Butler orders those Rachisians who did not choose to join her crusade to be transported to the now nearly deserted Comos. That's Ix, and we abandon it, so the Ixians are the Rachisians. No, 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 no. Yes, no, no, no. all the Comans left. No. Oh, Oh, that's why we're putting people on Rajiv. That's why we suspect that they're fucking machines on X. Now, whoa, 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 you're jumping the gun. Let me tell the story, oh. motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> this is my epilogue. I can't handle this. You get back to speculating about God Emperor. Distract yourself. <laughs> now, <laughs> since the, uh, the farming technology of Comos had been uh, computerized only at the very elementary level, that we conveniently didn't pull out at the beginning of the jihad. We were like, we'll oh leave our food God. supply. Basically, we left our food supply intact, and we destroyed everything else. The survival of these machines, as well as the astonishing fecundity of the planet, ensured that many of the new settlers would live. A substantial number of the technicians and mechanics from Rachis survived the wars and chose to stay behind on Comos. Most of these men and women, able to think and act for themselves, live to form the basis of the new population of Comos. So, this continues on. So, this population was provided with uh, two great advantages. First, the population of Arandi A, with the inhabited worlds, uh, was pretty much like a greater boon. This whole system is isolated now because of the jihad. We've pushed everyone oh. back. So, th we have this great farming world. It's this great world of Richie's, like, and we're all alone now. Like, they've already gone elsewhere. They're, they're killing the machines. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, this system, though, it was already on the fringes of humanity's settlement. So when the jihad burns through, they're just even more isolated than they were before. Because we've sort of pushed back the bounds of the empire a little bit. Mm. Now, the ravages of the, of the jihad, especially severe in the sector, sector of Harandi A, resulted in even greater isolation. Indeed, for several centuries after the Jihad, those on Comos were cut off from contact with the rest of the human race. Wait, what? For centuries. They're just they're too far removed from society. Because they started there, we're not going to go back. Mm -hmm. And we got rid of, like, most fast and light travel right oh. now, right? 
So we're in this weird age. Oh my Bef- god! Before the guild reemerges, everyone. That's is alone. really irresponsible, though, of the 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 Balerian Jihad. But I mean, we got you. You say that from that, but I think the threat was that was how existential it was to them. The alternative they saw was us losing our humanity as a whole. Mm. And like after centuries and centuries, you don't think back to like oh. Way back when in uh, on Comos or Rachis, like mm. we've already conquered that. It's done. You don't. Oh man, humans suck. Humans suck. Yeah. So at first, Mike, this isolation it was involuntary. Obviously, we we're just like, what do we do? Everyone's on their own. We make do. After that, though, it was by choice. So what? Second uh, to the immediate riches of the vast agricultural development of Comos. Uh, is produced a life of ease for its inhabitants, right? And uh, with this, Mike, we had leisure time. We had experiment. We could indulge again. In intellect. Oh no, Mike! How do you think we're gonna get back to the top? We're gonna indulge. It's a vicious circle. It, it's it's inevitable in a way, right? Don't tell Paul that. Ooh, Don't you okay. dare tell okay. Paul that. Okay. okay, okay. I'll talk to the God Emperor. <clears throat> I go, Paul. I'll talk to the boss. Uh, Paul is middle <laughs> management. You're going to find Wait, out. what? Really? Just in the scale of things. Okay. Him, him and the God Emperor don't overlap. Uh, but the God Emperor... What, like time-wise? Uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, but, oh. like, the God Emperor is just, like, he's something else entirely. Okay. Like I said, no penis. No genitals. I, I'm really having a hard time mm-hmm. with this one. Yeah, it's tough. You should see how it is for him. Good. Oh, God. Oh. Now, Mike, the resettled <laughs> technicians. That I, I feel like it's fucking warm theory all over it again. Really <laughs> oh my god, you have no idea how right you are. Uh, the resettled <laughs> the technicians fuck? and mechanics of Richie's naturally uh, turn to machine technology as one way to occupy their time, taking great care to avoid the development of uh, population controlling machines. And I feel like that is too narrow of a population controlling. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, let's make that a little broader, guys. But you're on the right track of at least not doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So at least they're not trying to enslave humanity again. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, There was some early resistance to this technology, but as the decades passed and the planet remained alone in a forgotten corner of the universe, decisive steps in the rebirth of truly sophisticated technology were taken. Mm. Yeah. Now... I told you, Mike, in the beginning, we're going to kind of tease in back to two characters and uh, a little dip I want to do down the road from the encyclopedia. But uh, remember Aurelius Venport and Norma Senva? Oh, we have a B2D coming out really soon, if not already about them. Yeah. We had our December poll come out, and that's our next B2D for that's this gonna be, month. Yeah, we're going to tackle that one next. That's going to be our big story we go into. We hit that at the end of the, when we were talking about the pre-guild flight, too. Everything always leads back to a really Is this like the missing, the missing link here between the Butlerian Jihad and the guild? Oh, yes, entirely. Oh, that is exactly really? What so, by the year 110 before guild, right? <gasps> so, we're, we're 90. This is almost 100 years after um, the Jihad geez. starts. Yeah. Yeah, she dies 20 years in, uh, and this is like 10 years before its end, essentially. So yeah, 90 years of jihad have been raging. Aurelius Venport and Norma Senva had uh, pioneered in the field of interstellar travel, 
to a point beyond the capabilities of the new technology. And so they were reluctantly forced to take their research elsewhere. Wait, what? Uh, they end up on X ultimately, Mike. <gasps> was it the other way? No, I'm pretty sure they ended up on X. Oh, we'll cover the story. But it's like a tease that you're not sure about. I, I don't. Know. I don't feel uh, unsure about it now. Guide my hand, Derek. Could have been Comos. <laughs> um, I do not want Tim Allen to guide my hand in Dune. I, that was a, my best Scooby Doo I could give you. That was a Scooby Doo. <gasps> wow. I felt t- like Tim the Toolman Taylor. No, see that for me is only the the the, the uh-huh. oh give me, yeah, he, gets, yeah. he gets the uptick. Uh huh. I would argue when Scooby is caboosed, he does the same thing. No, I what I think Scooby's think, like. We are not having this conversation. No, right not now. a rut row, but a <laughs> shaggy. <laughs> Continue, okay. please. Uh, that's the first time you put me back on track today. <laughs> now. Within a century of their leaving the riches of Comos, now known by its hab- inhabitants as Ix, uh, oh. derived from an ancient system of reckoning Duh. identified Continue. numbers. No, 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 fast forward. Fast forward. Go, go. <laughs> um, they had combined with the benefits of the finest scientific work being done in a technologically devastated universe to make of the planet something unique. In effect, Ix had become a research and development center for all types of scientific inquiry. They oh. they push it in this direction. Are they like the scientific hub? Ix? Ix, yeah. Ix does become, yep. And they make, oh. Richis becomes their manufacturing hub. Yeah. That's, oh, that's kind of like, that's kind of poetic. It never gets undone. The Richis are never back on top. Oh. Ixians. Above Rachisians. Damn. Um, though I guess we could say Comans are lost to time. Now, the most extraordinary <sighs> oh. care was exercised to maintain the appearance of a bucolic world devoted to agriculture. All scientific centers and a few manufacturing complexes permitted were concealed below ground. Wait, what? Right from the get-go, Mike, we're not fucking around on X. If you come by X... There's a fucking elevator that goes down to the yeah. core. Like, like, welcome to Farmville. All we do is farm. Talk to our farmers. And the farmers are, like, doing equations. Beep, yes. <laughs> yeah, underneath is this technological wonderland to the wow. point. Wow. If I recall, I believe the rumor, once we get to, like, God Emperor, is that X is just, like, fucking hollow. Like the whole what? the whole planet has been made into like a giant fat you know like it's oh, all been infrastructure to this point. That's some Stargate shit right it, there. It, yeah, yeah. Like some uh, what do they call it when you build that structure around a star and you uh, take all of its energy? Excuse me, you don't know this? Like the the phases of civilization. Um. Oh my God, Mike, this is blowing your mind. So one of the ways there's like a I think it's a scientist that judges it, but like you tear civilizations off by how much energy they can take from their star. So like, and, and so like the prime tier is one that can completely envelop and take all the energy from a star. Correct. Okay. The lowest tier is like where we are. We're just taking what hits our planet. Mm, we're just we're the plants. Mm, like love it. Love it. Good. <laughs> Next step is like making something around your planet or something, and then the solar sails or something to gather that yeah, energy. The final step is building oh a sphere around. Your I've never star. heard this before. Oh my! We almost thought we discovered one once uh, with <gasps> this weird structure orbiting a star. They thought it was a superstructure, and it ended up. Um, I think it was a planet orbiting it, or something. It was something very benign. It's kind of like how we thought quasar 
ours were beacons at one point. Right, right, right. And then we're like, oh, it's just a repeating, really cool phenomenon, but like, oh, we thought it was aliens, so close. It's like, oh, we're disappointed, but this is actually amazing to learn. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so one of the supreme, like, dominance of your solar system is building us around a star and taking 100% of the energy from that. And then just imagine what your your civilization would be capable of doing right. if that is within your grasp. Amazing. Oh, man. So, yeah, everything is concealed below ground. Above ground, Mike, all one saw was the life of a farmer and the rancher. It's just like... Oh, I'm a simple farmer. Don't know what you're talking about. Now, this quantum equation over here, <laughs> disregard that. That's for the carrots and the petunias. <laughs> Uh, by 25 before guild. So we're after the jihad at this point. Okay. We're, we're closing the story out. We're, we're closing in on the formation of the guild. The Ixians, as they are now known, Ooh. had begun to venture back into the settled worlds. Their trips were solely exploratory, made in order to judge the state of civilization within the rest of human society and to ascertain if there was any threat to their anonymity. And be like, uh, hey, how you guys feel about robots? Uh, peace out. <laughs> Later. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> I'm asking for a Richesian, I know. Oh, my God. Yeah, imagine how stressful that was. <laughs> so <laughs> the possibility of trade in technological items was discussed. They did pitch this, but firmly rejected. Oh. When the depth of feeling regarding the jihad and computing machines was determined. That's like the echo left by uh, Jean. Yeah. But I just like, they. so this is, uh, yeah, 75 years after her death. They put out some feelers. And they're like, no, they still hate machines. <laughs> I was like, mm -mm. we're going to wait a little bit. We'll check again in another decade. <laughs> the deliberate isolation of X continued until the first century of the rule of House Carino. Wait, now, Mike, oh, wait, what? Yeah, this, this gets fucking cool. Does, I didn't okay. see this coming. Remember how the guild uh, came about? Yes. They're just like, hey, we offer free trips. We'll show you what we can do. Mm, not hey. quite. What did they, they specifically went to the emperor, and they said, we can do this fast. We're going to tell you first. You let the others know. And how this is, you know, how is this going to fit in society? You tell us. Because they were like, they need to keep their space. Ixians do basically the same thing. Well, yeah, because, like, they, I mean, they've got the tech, but they still can't survive against Sardaukar and the Emperor. They still have threats yeah. that are greater than their tech, right, right? Right, right, But they want their monopoly. They mm -hmm. see their niche in the universe. Okay, yeah. And they're gonna they go to the shark it. tank. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, once the Imperium had been established and the Spacing Guild had introduced space travel to common use, the situation on Ix changed. It became apparent that in time, their system would attract the attention of a expansionary society uh, carried through the stars by the guild. Like somebody's going to come here eventually, right? Mm -hmm. We need to preempt that. So once their machines were discovered, as they would ultimately be, the Ixians had no doubt of their fate. Ix would be destroyed. In order to avoid this, Mike, we got an idea. The Ixians made the first move themselves with a caution equaled uh, only by the first context of the guild with the Imperial House, the Ixians sent an ambassador to Emperor Saadir I in the year 55. Okay. So we, we're, we're going to just blitz you, essentially. Mm -hmm. We send this one guy. He comes up. He tells him everything. 
We sit down with the emperor. I mean, everything, Mike. About everything. Ix. We tell you about the robots, the AI. Like, we tell you everything that's on our Why planet. Why would you do that, though? Because, Mike, once the shock of the news had been assimilated, the possibilities of the situation became obvious. If a controlled source of technology were available to the Imperial House, the Guild, and the Great Houses, they could have the advantages of machines without the dangers to their socio-political system. Any other solution, such as any one of the powers of the Imperium seizing control of Ix, would destabilize the Imperium. So the Emperor getting this right away is just like, look, if we make this blanket equal, it's going to be okay. If any one of us has it, like if the emperor took it, right, all the great houses are going to come against lands it tomorrow, right? Yeah. If the lands gets it, well, my position is in trouble. Then so we... let's let's just you know, like I'm gonna just take this rug, I'm gonna flip it over, I'm gonna do a little sweep in. Look at that! Put the put the rug. Oh! I was thinking, now it's a tablecloth. Oh, <laughs> it's a grand illusion. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, and he just sets this up. An arrangement was wait, was made. Ix would remain isolated. The guild would make certain that no unapproved visitors reached the system of Arandi A. The Ixians would continue to exploit Rachis, and Rachis would become the manufacturing center of Ix. So we sent Rachis down the river and totally sell them out. In exchange, Ix is its own little corner of the universe. They're going to do their own thing, and they're just never going to come over here. That's good politics, actually. I feel like everyone's a winner there. Yeah. Yeah. The And it's great for the guilt who's like, oh, forget about Dune. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to keep making secret planets. Uh, you want us to put Tupile on this list? Well, fuck it. No one's going to Tupile. Have you heard about the flowers they have there? I have. Great. I tell everyone I know, Mike. <laughs> So the interests of all parties were served by the balanced concessions uh, so typical of the Imperium. This state of affairs obtained throughout the millennia the dominance of House Carino. Ooh. And that, Mike, brings us to the end of my oh three articles. Oh, my God. Is Ix directly related to the dominance of Carino? They contribute. Just that they were they, – them signing that deal is Ooh. another thing that, like, stabilized Carino it. really had, like – they got really lucky – all the stars lined for them specifically, I feel. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could like, have been any house, but like they were there at the right time, the right place. Yeah, yeah. You're reading right in. We're like, it's not that they are anything special. Right. Somebody had to be the emperor in this Imperium house, right? The fact that they had the Sadakar didn't even solidify that. It could right. have still been another house with these deals like marked out, but oh. like Sadir ends up there and he takes it. I, I love how like uh the position of power for each house is just so precise for position, like uh, events around them. Like it couldn't happen without everything else around them happening as an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there it's, it, it's an interplay. I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm on your subliminary side of it's about the events. Catching on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I, I I never want to separate them, but. I mean, no, but that's the whole but, point. Yeah, yeah. Like, which one is which? And you say, like, yeah, you can't do one without the other. But the history says, like, no, but it's really the events. But here's Benny Jesuit. It's really the events. <laughs> yeah, we can find a person. I mean, like, I we think whoever the author of this is, they, I think they have a firm opinion on it. Mm -hmm. Now, there is uh, one other thing we got to go into, Mike. What's that? Ryan Herbert. Oh, you said that, yeah. Yeah, so... This whole story I told you. 
great fucking tale. Yeah. He threw it all out the window. Wait, what? We changed. Wait, what? We changed. Oh, okay. Actually, Sarah? Even Sarah. Let me preface this with one little thing where we talked about. I think we kind of talked about this before. If you guys enjoy the Brian Herbert books, I totally encourage that. I want you to get whatever you can out of it. I'm about to rip a hole through this one, though, as we go through. Because, like, I don't think you're going to agree to me. The amount of things he changed, I just don't understand why you would change it. Since we did have source material. John Butler? No. Wait, her, wait, what? But, God. John Bo- wait, was it called the Butlerian Jihad, then? Because Butler was involved, but it's he changes the first name. Gerard Butler. Yeah, <laughs> it's finally here. Even his 300. Before you align, no, not even that. No, it becomes Serena Butler. Serena. Wait, why Serena? Why? Why? Oh. I don't know. I don't know. Even Frank calls it Jean Butler. Like, we have a name from him. So that, I can't forgive him for changing. Also. Oh, it's the, oh. No, oh, Mike. Okay. Oh, hold up. Before you even, you look like you're about to accept that. I want to. No, like, no, no, no. I wasn't going to accept I was oh, going to say, like, it's interesting that it's, it's not even the encyclopedia that he disavows. Because the encyclopedia was always given the, right, right. the preface it's, of, it's like, in I'm going to change it if I want to. Mm-hmm. Granted, it wasn't. It wasn't Brian Herbert that said it, it was Frank Herbert, but like I, I don't really know the logistics or politics of how that's involved and like sure. how his son takes over the series for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens with the series all the time, so I, I can't really say any different. But the fact that his father did have one like solid, uh, solidified like name, like this is what a happens, n- and then changes a it. name. At least that a Frank name. gave someone a name. Names are far and few between. <laughs> we've learned with Frank <laughs> Herbert. They're very rare. But like that's kind of interesting. I don't know. I mean, I guess you didn't have to have a name if it's called the Butlerian Jihad, and so it's like it's based off this person. But and- our glossary tells us Jean Butler. It gives the glossary. A, the, like we get the first name. Wait a second. Where is it? I'm sorry. I think I misspoke. I don't think he does use Jahan. Ooh, I made up her name. Jean! Jean! So fucking easy. Silent Space H. How hard is that to understand? (laughs) About three glasses too hard. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't think it's in the original. I want to cling to the claim that it's in the editors, but maybe he never said it. Oh, that would be brutal if I'm like superimposing. I, I just game. looked through the glossary. I didn't see anything. I have never checked the appendices because I'm saving that to the end. Yeah, no, no, no. I I searched through the Kindle using like the Control F function, so like I I don't think it's in there. I think I misspoke. Um, nonetheless, even if we disregard that first name, let me walk you through the plot summary. Oh, I'm gonna spoil for anyone too. If you haven't, if you oh. want to read Brian Herbert's The Butlerian Jihad. Bail right now. This is it. Spoiler sound. <laughs> we don't use our sound effects often, but yeah, that's canon. Keep it. Oh god, just hitting too many buttons. Stop it. All right, I wanted to tell you the plot summary though. Brian Herbert's first book. He did the. Uh, it's a trilogy. The first book is called The Butlerian Jihad. The second book is called The Machine Crusade, and then uh, I forget where the third one goes, but. The plot summary. Is this a prequel? Yeah, yeah. He like he does the book. It's literally taking us back. Oh my god! And he has oh, char- interesting characters and events. So what's well, so far back? I don't think I would like really discount it as much because like it's not going to ruin my perception of Paul probably. Oh my! Give me time. Wait, what? He just name drops a lot. So we're gonna go back in time, Mike, and meet the Carinos, the Atreides, and the Harkonnens, and Serena Butler. We know those are ancient houses, though, already, right? Yep. 
So that's not a big surprise. <sighs> well, let me uh, let me. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Uh, no, 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 having no, fun. No, no, I'm just saying. I, I see where you come from. So Serena Butler is the daughter of the Viceroy of the League of Nations, and she's a strong voice for human rebellion. Her lover is Xavier Harkonnen, who leads the military forces uh, on the League's capital. Why Harkonnen? The League's capital world of Seleucus Secundus. Because we're going to name drop hard, uh, Mike. That's what I don't really like about this. Everyone, it's basically like there's only been three families since the beginning of time now. Uh, the so, Trades, Harkonnens, and Kratos. Yeah. And now a butler is dealing with... It's the, just the butler. Well, no, she, but her <laughs> husband is a Harkonnen. Or her lover, her paramour. No, no, she's just the butler, though. <laughs> I mean, her <laughs> occupation. You think, yeah, yeah. That's what I've established now. So, uh, and now the computers are an actual AI race run by this guy named Omnimus, who is like... Oh, wait, wait, what's his name? O- Omnius. Omnius? O-M-N-I-U-S. Omnius. Yep. Sure. I'm making a face, but like, I'm gonna... Okay, devil's advocate here. Okay, uh, no, I'll give you, as far as AI names go, not the worst computer, like, AI villain, Omnius. That's kind of, I get it. Ominous, omnipresent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I get it. Yeah, I'm on board. He has an army of Cymex. What's a Cymex? They're former humans whose brains have been implanted in preservation canisters. And they what? can basically. Wait, wait, that's very Futurama. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can basically be installed into various mechs to be whatever war machine we need. No, it's not even Futurama. That's, uh, that's fucking Doctor Who. What are they called? The. Uh, the oh my Cyberman. god, Cyberman! Cyberman. Cyberman. Yeah, Ex- nope. I was gonna say exterminate. <laughs> no. uh-uh. Ooh, I ruined that. We're, we're not that drunk, Derek. <laughs> That's why I stopped myself. Um, but yeah, so those are Cymex. I, I don't like it already. Um, and they so they can be put in any mechanoid body. You see how just like action adventure, like that sets up a no, re- I mean, like it's well, Doctor Who. No, no, I'll say that sets up like a really good sci fi action adventure. Like you've already established we can have mechs, we can have their brains put into mechs. That's the army we're facing. Kind of cool, but that's, it doesn't scream doom to me. Um, oh, okay, I'll give you that. That's, I will give you that. That is the that's why how these are so juxtaposed to one another. I guess so. Hold up, let wait, me. Okay, yeah, sure, oh, no, sure, no, sure, sure. If you got a question, I'll give you a question. No, I guess, like, how did he brand it? It's a question for me. Was it, like, Dune, Butlerian Jihad, these, or was it, like... These were, like, the first ones to come out. What was the name of the book, though? Uh, Dune, oh, okay. Butlerian Jihad. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. All the... Because uh, if be, it was just called, like, Butlerian no, Jihad, no, no. or, to like... Be, to be fair, he took that from his dad. So Frank uh, ultimately decided every book is Dune, and then has a sub... Like, Dune, Messiah. Children of Dune. Dune Chapter House. Dune Heritage. Oh, so Dune is in the chapter. Okay. So his well, art. Hey. Dune, the the Butlerian Jihad. The Butlerian Jihad is like the subtitle. All right. Yeah. I support that. I mean, like, sure. I, you know, keeping Dune, on with Dune the tradition Dune is like there. franchise name. And he does, that is the same for all of his books in his series. He keeps that uh, kind of. I think of that's solid. Brilliant. Yeah, sure. It's a good naming for but, it. But uh, I, I do think the name dropping, pro- I mean, was that his first book? Uh. T- yeah, I I don't think I would. No, wait. Um, no, he wrote. He actually wrote with his dad. Uh, they co-wrote a book together. Dune? No, 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 no. Oh, like just different. Uh, something okay. else. Uh, well, okay. So, was that like his first like Dune book? Yes, I think so. When was it written? Uh, it was like ninety six. Uh, oh wait. Uh, this one was two thousand two. Oh wait, what? This book? Yeah. Oh, he. Uh, I'm sorry. It was 99. He got the contract for these ones, I believe. 
Okay. Uh, and basically, he got a million dollars per book. That's Fucking awesome. Back. Yeah, I mean, known Doom book had been out for like uh, 20, 30 years. Right, right, right. And so him and Kevin Anderson team up, and they wrote these together. Right. Uh, let me let me keep going I, with this. Okay, stuff. sure, sure, sure. Sorry. I don't want to interrupt. I know. Well, you yeah. want, I know. You, we've never talked about Brian Herbert. But I know. And I like, it, I, I'm on the, uh, I'm from the perspective of, I don't know what's going on. I just know that, like, I know you have a bone to pick, and mm-hmm. I just want to play the point of, like, Hey, what if? And that's I fair. don't know. And we're let's, let's just keep going. Only comparing this story to the story I just told sure, you. Sure, tell of me like more. Those two things. Instead, of, we will infinitely go down rabbit holes of like, right. what was it like for him? I'm yeah. Like, uh, tell us about it, Brian. Now, uh, so he made these Cymex. They're twenty Cymex, which are basically t- they're called Titans. They're these humans that tried to take over the world, and then the AI took over them, or the okay. universe rather. They conquered the <laughs> universe. What? Of, like, all humans. Because they're immortal robots. And then they... Oh, that's super different. And Yeah, so in the flow of things, humanity rose, rose, rose. Cymex took over humanity. AI took over Cymex. Because the Cymex created okay, AI. Okay, so human, android, AI. Are we just like, AI, thanks for doing that for us. Uh, For what? Taking over? Yeah. Uh, the it's like, hey, No, the back. Cymex, oh. were pri- they have pride. They have human fallacies. So, like, they wanted to be in charge. Let me keep going here. Okay. Uh, so these, yeah, with the Cymax, the Titans are later overthrown by Omnius, who is an artificial intelligence of their design. Seeking to replace human chaos with machine order, Omnius thus ignited the war between machine and humanity. Now, we meet our other uh, person for the day, Vorian Atreides. Vorian Atreides. So, you got Harkin Atreides. Carino. Yep. So the Atreides works for the machines. His father is a Cymac named Agamemnon. Agamemnon. Wait a second. That's a... Is that Re- Greek? Yeah. Reaching back to, I believe, the Iliad uh, is the general Agamemnon is in there. And he is going to be the head of House Atreus, which becomes what <gasps> Atreides is Oh, shit. So we reach back and we take that name. And oh, that's clever. No, it's not because Frank did the same thing, but he put it to the actual no, fucking not, house. No, that's fine. No, no, I'm just saying I didn't uh, relate Atreides to uh, Atreus. Fair enough. And I, I would, just think that's cool. I will give you the only reason I need to tie Agamemnon is because I read those Brian Herbert's books. Uh, uh, for, uh. Yeah. Hey, I'll give it to you. Um, so that ties in. But again, this is kind of forced. Now, meanwhile, the sorceresses of Rasuk, a matri- uh, matriarchal order, are perfecting the destructive psychic powers um, for use against the machines. Wait, psychic powers, did you say? Yep. Okay. I, I, I mean, I know the psychic powers in Dune. We know from Paul. Uh, yeah, but there's our... We li- know from Water of Life. There's are a little more magical in the way you would imagine. Okay. Um... And, and they start maintaining a breeding program uh, to create more powerful telepaths. Uh, pharmacy- that sounds very Bene Gesserit. Well, that's what they, the sources of Rasak become the Bene Gesserit. Oh, which even, even in bit. Yeah, that's right. Okay, okay, he's okay, just, okay. But see how he's taking their starting point and he's conflating it. These times should be separated by 5,000 years. This all shouldn't be happening during the Butlerian Jihad. He's putting all of it happening in one moment. So basically, there are only two times in Dune. There's Paul's time, and there's the Butlerian Jihad. And nothing else that happens in between. Whereas, I mean, we already sort of made that parallel earlier. Where like, what hap- Like, is there only this one great event like every 10,000 years when yeah. I ask that? But it gets worse, though, Mike. 
So this is going to rope in the pharmaceutical magnate Aurelius Venport, who is about oh. to discover an interesting new substance, the spice melange. We already had that, though, from the guild, right? How do you have it in this world? No, well, the guild isn't established yet. Oh, okay. This is They uh, will BG. be the ones that gotcha. discover it because of it. But uh, they also rope in the famous inventor, Tio Holtzman. Wait, what? Yeah. Wait, who's Tio? Well, who's Ibrahim? He doesn't exist in this universe. Wait, what? He erased Ibrahim? Gone. He's no Matt Holtzman? No Matt Holtzman. Now, all of a sudden, the Holtzman Wait. shield has just been invented during the Butlerian Jihad. Okay, wait a second. Wait a second. Oh, oh, Mike, what are you doing? You switching sides? <laughs> <laughs> wait a second. Wait, wait, wait give you me time. You take to- that shovel and you dig that hole, motherfucker. <laughs> you give me time to think. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, he changes them to Teal Holtzman, and now we're moving him up. And now Teal Holtzman isn't even this great genius. He steals the ideas of Norma Senva to like represent himself. I don't know enough about Norma Senza to really say anything on that point. We're getting there. Okay. She's awesome. Now she is a dwarf. Whose mother, a dwarf? Whose mother is a sorceress of Rasak, and she just wants to be a scientist. So she's got, like, Bene Gesserit lineage. Yep. But she just wants science. I, I like that already. Sure, but, sure. Oh, man. I don't but know how I feel about Holtzman. this. Oh, we don't even have he the He sacrificed Sarah. Holtzman. We haven't even gotten to the fact that there's no Sarah yet. You don't sacrifice space, Jesus. Tio. Do you know what Tio is in Spanish, too? No. What's it mean? It's uncle. So I feel like it's Uncle Holtzman. <laughs> Theo Holtzman. You so, think that was done on purpose? I don't know. <laughs> but continuing you're feeling, on. You're, I'm getting little advice from you now. <laughs> A little manic. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm about to go fucking crazy because now we get to the names of some of the Titans. So Serena gets captured by the Titan Barbarossa. Barbarossa. They're all stupid names from history. I like Barbarossa, though. Agamemnon, That's a good one. Barbarossa, Beowulf. Um, There's a Beowulf? It's a Beowulf. Who's right. Beowulf? You're fucking on board with these. I did not appreciate them. No, I gotta, I gotta know, man. I don't have a little full list of them. It, uh, it does feel more forced than it was previously when we were learning new space names for the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're pulling intentionally cool ones. Yeah. Um, so Serena is captured by this Titan. That's our butler. She is uh, put under the watch of Erasmus, an independent robot who seeks to understand humans completely so that the thinking machines may be truly superior. He's a terrible character. He is just, oh. an, he's basically a partitioned part of the AI's mind that's allowed to be creative. So it's an AI that likes art. They're really flat AI characters I don't like. So Erasmus is just like... There's a limit to that then. Right? What do you you mean? If they're partitioned. Yeah, basically, uh, Omnibus is always like, I'm about to reincorporate you. And Erasmus is like, give me one more month. I think I'm on a a great breakthrough. And basically, he's scheming his own... You have no idea what the Louvre is. (laughs) Just a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So it's a fruitless thing. But, so he brings... uh, He has Serena under her... um, it's like his captive. He's studying her. Uh, his methods of study often entail human vivisection and torture. <laughs> wait, wait, what was the last one? Uh, I don't know. This is all by Piter's book. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> 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 it sounded very Piter. Yeah, he's a computer, Mike. He gets in there. He wants to get to the nitty gritty of like, what is an emotion? Okay. Uh, you Okay. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of cool. 
He takes a liking to Serena. She gets to stay in nice quarters. I feel like, uh, wait, what's the, uh, what's this creature's name? This partition? Erasmus. So I think like Erasmus is to Serena as Piter would be to Jessica. Uh, kind of. Kind you don't of. think so? Not quite. So ultimately. I mean, I guess Piter doesn't want to know like, hey, what makes you human? Just like, mm. Yeah, we don't know what is. How does the voice was. work? Click, click, click. But the difference here is that like Erasmus takes a liking to her, but so does the young Vori and Atreides. They meet up, and he kind of leaves space for that. Uh, okay, wait, where's the Vorians? Wait, okay, I, for, I already forgot. Vorian is our normal human. He is just this, uh, he's the son of Agamemnon. He works for the robots. He's a human, and he sort of bends like, robots are great. Why are there even people fighting? Because he's so indoctrinated. You know what? You know he brought up North Korea in the beginning? He's the North Korean. Okay. He's totally bought Is this like this a hero's world. journey for the Atreides? And of course it is, Mike. It's as simple as can be. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. We're gonna be. Oh, I've I've been doing wrong my whole life. I have to write this. Dun dun dun. And he becomes a hero of the Imperium. I hate uh. it. And I don't really like the name Vorian. It's it is a space name. You don't I'll like get, the name Vorian? I like a, the name Vorian. It's a space name. I just, I feel like there's a bit of bias there. I think Vorian's a good space name. I'm totally fine admitting that. Okay. And I embrace it. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I am biased. Um. So. He uh, takes uh, a liking to her. Now, this robot, though, he lets her have some space, and it's not that long before Serena realizes something, Mike. She's pregnant with Xavier Harkonnen's child. (gasps) Harkonnen babies ruin everything I've learned. Oh, shit, Mike. You are right on board with Erasmus. Erasmus finds the distraction inconvenient. And <laughs> inconvenient? Yeah, he not only removes Serena's uterus, but he kills the young what son the? in front of her. Oh, but he keeps with that motif, I guess? But not we quite. Can, we, no. Let's just go baby death. You know, I would say a fourth trimester abortion does not count as no. the same. You killed a baby. Awful. And took her uterus out. Holy oh shit. Oh, my God. Now, uh... This you don't need this anymore, do you? <laughs> this... Oh, my God. I don't feel good oh. about this. I feel, like, really bad, actually. And, uh... So, you know how it was Sarah? Yeah. For some reason, we changed the name of the baby. Now it's a boy, and its name is Mannion. <laughs> Mannion? Mannion. Why Mannion? And that why was... a boy? It was her grandfather's name? I don't have an answer for the second Is question. that supposed to, like, be sympathetic? I can't imagine it's more than Sarah. Sarah, though. Sarah was pretty heart-wrenching. The Sarah 3. Oh, my God. The Sarah 3. I love how they sell you on that right there. So this single event is what sets off the jihad. Uh, The young Mannion is soon labeled as the first martyr. Um, Mannion the Innocent. Vorian, learning about the murder and realizing that he lives, uh, that the, the lie he lives is a machine trustee, betrays his machine masters and flees with Serena. They are joined by another trustee, Iblis Ginjo, a slavery leader who masterminds the rebellion on synchronized Earth. Synchro- uh, Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. So, Wait, what's synchronized Earth? What the the computers call their worlds are the synchronized worlds. And basically there are AI, AI units on each planet. And what Vorian did as the machine trustee is uh, he would travel with another robot companion and they would take this core. That's like a big, uh, it's a big data stick essentially. And you go from world to world and that's how the machines update each other. They didn't have firmware with fucking Bluetooth. Well, like- no, they, they just didn't have wireless. I don't know why. Wait, didn't they have a Holtzman, though? Yep. 
They had fast and light travel. They had everything. Talk to Brian. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't understand. It was li- it was literally the firmware update. That's how it's described. And basically, like they would go in a round robin, and the computer- I just feel like it's a Brink space truck. Yeah, like going place to yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they would take it. They would update it. They would write all their new thoughts to that orb, and then it would go on to the next one. And so they would constantly be assimilating and creating new thoughts. That's interesting. But on the same page. But yeah, like have the Holtzman effect. Yeah. Why do you need to give a human your fucking one orb to then go and take it over? And ultimately, that's how Vorian betrays them. Is because there's one human you put on the ship who you don't need to. You can kill him. You can throw him out an airlock at any Wait, moment. wait. Was this one human on the ship? And Just then, to operate? No, they don't no, need it to operate, The robot though. operates it. It's why a, why it's is a there a human? It's a robot. In case he breaks down? Or no! Like, no! No, it's not like a, a biological bandaid, so to speak. As like, oh, something's nope. wrong. I need you to fix this real no, quick. At no point do the robots consider humans a failsafe. And honestly, okay. there's a robot who is the pilot who just entertains Vorian with conversation. But if I recall, the whole point was like, he is would, he just lonely? No, he would be fine if he was by himself. <laughs> if anything, Vorian <laughs> would be lonely, and that's why he talks to him. I need you to take a deep breath real quick, okay? You don't even want me to tell you about who Endless Jinjo is? About who? This guy that joined him. Uh, It gets worse. Now, the first human victory of the so-called Larian Jihad is the destruction of Earth and the Earth Ominous using atomics. Iblis, now Grand Patriarch of the Holy Jihad, he's the one running the Jihad now for some reason, Serena gets to be high priestess of it. Uh, and Xavier and Vorian as its two generals. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why do we take the enemy and give him your general now? Welcome. Now I have the two great houses who will forever have a feud are the only two generals. The Harkins and the Atreides? Yes. <sighs> <sighs> Okay. Oh, Mike, I feel some synergy between us now. That's a good, that's a good synced up side. I, oh, man. I feel like you lured me into this, though, because like, I was really on board with the previous story. It was you, well. No, no, you were giving it a chance. You were. Now, this continues. The brutal titans are desperate to break free of their machine masters and wage their own techno misanthropic war. And Ominous and Aramis are determined to conquer and destroy all of humanity once and for all. Real quick, is this going to end with like, oh, we saved the day, but now we hate each other. Who? The Atreides and the Harkonnens. Yes. I mean, Does it really? Well, that's that's his. That's the, the Carino. Basically, the final, uh, we get to the events at the Battle of Carino. Mm-hmm. Where the Atreides dishonored the Harkonnens. Yeah, yeah, we know that, but it's, yeah. it wasn't with machines. That was post machines. Yes, it's in like the very after. But you're saying of the uh, Jihad, though. It's still within the lifetime of Orion and uh, Xavier. I don't think you mentioned that before. It's not in the. That's in the Brian Herbert. Oh, the, oh, that is Brian Herbert. Yeah. <sighs> Again, these people don't exist. Mike. I feel like I've yeah. got two different memories, and I don't like it. It's tough. Uh, I just don't like this version of it. Now, oh, Mike. Continue, continue. Sure. This is the last line I got for this little summary. Of, this is just the first book in its trilogy. Yeah, right. It goes on for two more. And on the lonely desert planet known as Arrakis, 
The seeds of legend are sown with Salim Wormrider, an outcast from his tribe who sees the future of Shai Halud and makes it his mission to save his god from those who would take the spice. Wait, why is that relevant to the... Yeah, 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 go on. Wait, that's the last sentence? That Well, this is just a summary of it. But that's just the other oh. plot line that's in this book for oh, no But it is a plot line, reason. though, right? Yeah. I guess, it, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, it's literally just to tie up the dune, I guess. Exactly. That's exactly all it is. There's no point for that in the Butlerian like, Jihad. All that is relevant to the guild and after. Yeah, no, I'm like, most books I read, like, if you... You this put it in your checkoff gun. Yeah, you... Wait, Chekhov gun? Is when you show a gun in a play and then it gets used later on? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Like, if it's in Act 1, it's got to go off in Act 3. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but this is setting it up in Book 1 of this trilogy. Like, all it does is just sort of tell you how the Zen Sunni start to build on Dune. But we already know enough from Frank's world about the Zen Sunni. And they don't need to be contemporary. All this doesn't have to happen in one year in the Dune universe. Like, that is kind of wild, actually. They can be separate fucking stories. I mean, like, but the, the whole point of, like, books, though, is that, like, uh-huh. the most wild situation happens at this one point, like, this nexus. And that's why the story is worth telling as a book and story. Okay. And like, no, hold up, hold up. You have to approach that from both sides, though. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that is true. From storytelling, you need something to happen. But at the same time, you're creating the story. You get to choose the scope of it and this and that. I mean, yeah, you're I, totally right with the I, scope. Yeah, I just think you could envelop your, develop your characters more. I do think maybe it should have been uh, isolated it, from... It doesn't, it doesn't need to be such a magnum opus for, like, the era. To be, like... I feel like you don't do a magnum opus as your first book. Ex- well, again, wasn't his, it was his first Dune book. He had some writing chops. Let's, let's I say. mean, like, again, I don't know enough but, about Brian Herbert, just what sure. you told me. Which, I guess, I feel indoctrinated already, Derek. Yeah, but... Hey. That's not a good thing, though. Yeah, you can't fight it, though. Some machines? Richies? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I just... I think uh, they're, they're just myriad options you could have chosen from you could have done something way more concise because it's not like he stopped writing dune books it wasn't like i'm only writing six and i never want to come back to this era he's written like 12 or 20 dune books it keeps going he's not graphic novels right now yeah and he's not done so i'm just like take your time just tell me the jihad and we can talk about this other thing some other time you don't need to write like six you know 700 page books just to feel like frank Man, like, tell me how you really feel, Derek. I think I just did, Mike, at the end of the second bottle. <laughs> that's how, That's what it took all this time. We didn't even know. <laughs> just need a little pre-spice mask is all. And, Mike, uh, that's all I got for this month. That's all you've got. <laughs> I feel like there's more. There's some more deep-seated issues we haven't talked about, Derek. <laughs> yeah, but that's like therapy at that point. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I got to start paying you. <laughs> wow. Okay, well. That was a ride. Thank I you. still don't know how I feel about everything. I'm I'm honestly still kind of just I just want to know about the Sarah. Which one? The original? The Sarah like the 3? one in the two. No, the ships. The other <laughs> yeah. ship. Yep. Yeah. Where to happen? I, I know what happened to the zero. <laughs> I know what happened to the three. <laughs> Child naming gets very difficult after a while. I'm just oh man. That's wild. I, I'm so glad we got to finally go through it. 
yeah. and like nail them. That is how it all started. I'm glad we didn't get to skimp on anything. Yeah, this I was, feel like I didn't get to hold anything back. Derek, on you. I thought this was gonna be an hour episode, a mm-hmm. nice little glass of wine, and this has been two bottles of champagne later. <laughs> we start like early in the morning. This has been an afternoon. Yeah, yeah, it has. Oh god, you know what that means? <laughs> oh. Oh, there's one other thing at the end of these games. Oh! I was ready to wrap it all up. Tell oh! me what that means, Mike. It's time for the glossary game yes. because it's been so long and we only do this for B2D episodes now. And honestly, I'm running out of words. <laughs> yeah, as we get to the <gasps> I went through half the alphabet before I found one. I'm like, mm, maybe, maybe. Ooh, okay. That lets me know about where we're going to be in the alphabet. You don't know that. <laughs> I don't know jack shit. Are you ready for this one? Yo, you got born ready. All right. No cares. Big pardon? No cares. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Shit, I do. I think oh. I know this one. All right, I'll spell it for you, just oh, in case. Let me spell it, Mike. Ooh, let me take a shot at this. Yeah, I think it's N-O-U-K-K-E-R-S. Son of a bitch. Is that dead on? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I might be wrong. I'm pretty sure nukers are, um, oh, okay, it's the Imperium. I think they're like the people that are related to the emperor or the emperor's family that get like bullshit positions in the empire. Like you just get, you're like a cousin and I'm like, all right, get on. And you're in, but they're part of the Imperial court. I want to say, Oh, all right. Where are you getting like almost like a bastards, but like, I'm not just going to disown you. Oh, sh- uh, I don't want to, if you need me to like Wait, lock in the bastard. No, I just don't know if they're bastards or not. Oh. I'm not willing to lock in, but if that's, I'm it. just going by what you said. Okay. No, no. I'm thinking like cousins and like, just that weird surrounding family. Okay. Not necessarily. Maybe, maybe bastards I, is a good touch. Okay. But, oh, wait. Okay. Fuck it. That seems like a big clue. Let me lean into sons of concubines. Sons of <laughs> sons of concubines. Well, they would be like the ones. I, that, okay. You know what? Yeah. Two bottles will show my hand. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Teamwork, Mike. Teamwork. Uh, I guess. Uh, so you're right. Officers of the Imperial Bodyguard. Bodyguard. Okay. Who are related to the emperor by blood. Traditional rank for sons of royal concubines. I would say I don't get it. You I don't think so? Well, I st- I had to steal from you to get to like that last part. I but mean, no, no, no. Okay. they're related by blood to be bodyguards. I think is a big enough distinction to be like. I was thinking they're part of the court. Oh, so I, I think that's a big. It seems I think like there's they have only a job. so far they can go. It's just like. Well, well, no, no. I but, mean, like, you're still family, sort of. So I'm not gonna fucking like. Do you see what the cut the exchange is there though? You have to be willing to give your life for the emperor, and then I'll let you have these riches. Like, you can come here and be a nuker. That's but true. That means you need to be my bodyguard. And, like, I don't die, you die. Duke Nukers, great game. <laughs> it's a classic <laughs> from the 90s. Oh, boy. I think that's going to do it, man. I think, it'll, yeah. I think it's going to do it. We've been uh, here yeah, far too long. <laughs> way too long. I'm, I'm toasty. I'm the, I think I've had more of this, these bottles than you have. You're, oh, you're talking right. the whole time. I'm just here drinking going, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, 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 but yep. why, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah. Go, 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 go. Yeah, we conquered it all, Mike. That, uh, <laughs> I, I certainly feel that way. I think this brings us up to the classics then, right? <gasps> you guys, uh, if you have any questions for us. Wait, no, wait. What about our boy? <gasps> Our Do boy. we have any messages? I got nothing for Giovanni this week. All right. Do you have any questions for us? <laughs> <laughs> I was me and Giovanni at a sidebar. Yeah. Um, if you guys, maybe you know a wine that me and Mike can afford. 
Let us know. We're at the Spice World Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can always send us a distrans via that faithful bat at uh, SpiceWorldPod at gmail.com. And of course, there's always our website at SpiceWorldPod.com. And if you're looking for another way to support the show, come join us at our little sketch over at Patreon.com slash SpiceWorldPod. That's where you can find our exclusive B2D episodes just like this one. Oh, and apparently all the ones that are going to book in this. And all the ones that are going to book. You said, uh, you said the next one is going to be sort of relating to this? Aurelius Venport, Enormous Senva, and it's going to tie right in because they came up at the end of the story. That's going to be the December episode, right? Yeah. So that we're going to record that right after this episode. Yeah. I don't know how things have been released. Life's a mystery to me. I don't understand anymore. Check it out. Join us with it. Because uh, in the end, as all things go, Mike, we can't do this without our patrons. That's true. And uh, we have this little special thing for you guys. Without you, spice Spice can't flow. Oh, Jesus, that was loud. <laughs> That's the winner. That's the winner. <laughs> it doesn't help you brought it like as close to your face as you could. <laughs> Damn.